Survivor chronicles the lives of 18 strangers stranded together in the middle of nowhere, forced to build and destroy their own new world. Over the course of several weeks, these island-dwelling men and women are locked in a physically and mentally exhausting battle to outwit, outplay, and outlast each other, voting each other out every three days at the terrible temple known as Tribal Council. After 39 days, one of these castaways will walk away as the sole survivor, in possession of the million-dollar prize that goes along with the coveted title. After only three days, one survivor will walk away from years of dreaming about this journey. Months and months of surviving a grueling casting process. Weeks and weeks of preparation for the game. Days and days on lockdown. And the guarantee of more than a month away from everything and everyone they know and love, no matter how early they lose their life in the game. All for only three days of actual playtime. This podcast is the story of finding this season's first sacrifice to the fearsome survivor gods. This is First One Out. Survivor, Season 35. Day 2. Waves crash upon the shore once known as Nuku Beach. I was here a year ago, watching ten men and women wander through the area, hanging wet clothes on tree branches, feeding vegetable skins to chickens, damn near every one of them a game-changer in survivor lore, if only in name. I remember standing behind a makeshift drying rack, watching the blue-buffed Nukus as they sat around a fire, listening to a retired NFL player's breathless recollection of his glory days as a college athlete the same years in which he met the wonderful woman who would forever change his life. What's best for Monica doesn't matter to the six individuals who currently inhabit that same beach. Their camp established a good distance away from where the survivors of yesteryear used to reside. Nuku is gone. In its place, Heroes Beach, home to six new blue-buffed castaways faced with the task of living up to their tribe's lofty moniker. Culpepper is gone, too. In his place, Alan Ball, another retired professional football player with stories to share about the love of his life. Unlike Brad, Alan has no intentions of revealing his NFL past, based on what he told me just two days earlier. Uh, speaking of football, are you going to be open about no, the fact that you're in the NFL? No, not what are you a chance. Do? What are you say? Personal trainer. Personal trainer. Yeah, I'm riding it out. I'm riding the trainer. Now, I know it might get nailed and I might, but my, my, my way out is that, you know, I don't mind telling people what I did. It's just I don't want to be forthcoming off, right off top. You know, I kind of, what do I do right now? I train. <laughs> now. There you go. Right, how specific can we get? Yeah. That's up to you, but okay. I train. Cool. <laughs> Alan walks alongside a former Marine named Ben Drebergen in search of their tribe's water well. Ben, with his thick mustache and cowboy hat, looks like the spitting image of a young Rick Nelson with all of the added tattoo intrigue of a Lex Vandenberg or a Zane Knight. As he walks off toward the well, Ben might not know the specifics of Alan's past, but he can certainly hazard a guess. This guy, I, he's an athlete. He's um, either like a track star or something like that. He's he's fit, he's cut, he's strong. Um, I don't know if he's like a track star or anything like that. He seems like a pretty good dude. He's out here for something too, though. I could tell he's out here with for his family. Or something like that. There's something else driving him, but he's a real physical threat. Seems like a pretty social dude also. 
Um, I'm excited to work with him. I want to work with him uh, until I, I don't need him no more. <laughs> ben isn't unique in his ability to sense the gist of someone's work background on site. Ashley Nolan, a lifeguard from Florida's Satellite Beach, sits inside the tribe's rudimentary shelter built beneath a solemn tree. She watches Ben, his background as a soldier already firmly on her radar. He seems funny, honestly. He seems like he might have been in some kind of military background. So that actually excites me. I mean, um, other than the fact that he does, <laughs> he reminds me of a little bit of a dating phase I went through and he reminds me exactly of a guy that I dated okay. many years back. So that was like the first thing that caught my eye from him. I'm like, I had to do a double take. I'm like, whoa, flashback. <laughs> but, um, you know, the military background might be um, a good person to align with. I already was kind of thinking that because they're generally used to uncomfortable situations and inadequate weather and or inadequate just environments in general with people you have to get along with everyone for the most part there and you, you know he might be smart and um you know tactical in a lot of different ways um socially and physically adaptable ashley lives her life on the ocean but it's the firefighter jp hilsebeck who currently lives the life aquatic he swims through the beautiful blue sea a modest distance away from Heroes Beach, hoping to find fish to feed his tribe. From their seats next to Ashley inside the shelter, actual actuary Chrissy Hoffbeck and former Olympian Katrina Radke aren't sure what to think of the young man currently wading in the water. No read on him. Absolutely no read on him. Nothing. Nothing. Zero. I cannot figure him out. I think he might be like an exercise physiology type guy. Okay. I don't know what, you know, I think he's from Texas because he was wearing a Texas shirt. For his part, as he walks away in search of the well, Alan feels sure in his assessment of both of these aforementioned heroes, the two oldest women in the game at 46 years old each. When it comes to the actuary... The mom. Um, <laughs> she's the mom on the show so far to me. She, um, she's very subtle, very quiet. She kind of floats around. Um, if, if you're not paying attention, you'll miss her. As for the Olympian... She's a wild card. Oh, she's a wild card. She is a wild card. She is different in every sense of the word. A football veteran. A war veteran. A lifeguard. A firefighter. An Olympian. An actuary. These are the men and women who walk in the long shadow of literal survivor heroes J.T. Thomas and Sari Fields, and the eight others who once called Anuku their home. It's the same beach that spawned Survivor's most recent champion, Sarah Lucina. Will the winner of Heroes versus Healers versus Hustlers hail from the same starting point? Or is this the site of the season's first sacrifice to the Survivor gods? For The Hollywood Reporter, in collaboration with Rob Has a Podcast, I'm Josh Wiggler, and one of these heroes just might be the first one out. Chapter 2, Heroes Reborn. We begin our exploration of the new Survivor Season's castaways, as well as the candidates to be the first one out, with the heroes, as well as a history lesson. This is the second Heroes tribe in Survivor lore. The first one hails from Season 20, Heroes vs. Villains, the show's second full-fledged returning player season, and a season that many fans consider to be the best one ever, or at least firmly in the conversation. The original Heroes tribe included two former Survivor winners, Tom Westman, a firefighter just like current hero J.P. Hilsebeck, as well as the aforementioned J.T. Thomas, who returned as recently as last season's Survivor Game Changers. 
it did not go well for him. It did go well, or well-ish, for JT's fellow former hero and Nuku tribe mate Sari Fields, also previously mentioned. Sari is often talked about as the greatest player to never win, alongside your friend and mine, Rob Sesternino. Her fourth and currently final performance on Survivor saw Sari traveling from an unsteady position at Nuku Beach to a very upsetting defeat at the final six. Also on the first Heroes Tribe, Rupert Boneham, the Pearl Island's pirate and arguably most popular Survivor player ever. Rupert experienced highs and lows on Survivor, as the million-dollar benefactor of America's Tribal Council in 2004, only to end his Survivor career as the first one out from Season 27, Blood vs. Water, due to circumstances that were only slightly less surreal than the sorcery involved in Suri's departure from Survivor Game Changers. In Season 20, Rupert and several of his fellow heroes were crushed underfoot by their rival villains, quite possibly the greatest group of Survivors ever assembled. Eight of the ten villains either won or reached final tribal council over the course of their Survivor career, including Sandra Diaz-Twine, whose victory on Heroes vs. Villains marked her second career win overall. The other two were Jerry Manthe, who fell one spot short of reaching Season 20's final tribal council, and Randy Bailey, who will not appreciate the Crystal Cox reference later in this podcast, nor will he appreciate the fact that I have now said Crystal Cox twice in the space of ten seconds. Anyway, the point is, in going up against the villains, the heroes were very much outmatched. Which brings us to our current group of heroes. Alan Ball, Ashley Nolan, Ben Driebergen, Chrissy Hoffbeck, J.P. Hilsebeck, and Katrina Radke. The good news for these new survivors is that the bar is pretty low in terms of the Heroes Tribe's current legacy, as iconic as those individual veterans may be. The bad news? If these new heroes, officially known as Levu, are somehow worse as a group than the original heroes, they could go down as one of the worst tribes in Survivor history. For now, let's focus on the positive. And let's focus on the individuals. In this podcast, you'll listen to my interviews with each of the six new heroes, in first-name alphabetical order. These interviews were conducted over the course of two days, the final two days before the season officially began. One of these players will inevitably be the first hero out. But will one of them be the first one out overall? We'll see. As we get to each individual player, I'll fill you in on what I was thinking about their chances as they passed in and out of my jungle cubicle, a little slice of paradise carved into the Fijian wilderness by a man with a machete named Sam. With the single exception of Ben Driebergen, every one of these conversations started with an icebreaker, a quick round of two truths and a lie, traditionally a drinking game in which one person tells you three things about him or herself, one of which is a lie. It's up to the interrogator to find out which is true and what's not. In addition to being useful on a get-to-know-you basis, I figured this game would be helpful in figuring out each player's ability to lie on the spot. Some fared better than others. In fairness, I'm pretty bad at this game myself, as you'll hear. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> with all of that out of the way, let's dig in. We begin with Alan Ball, a professional football player whose career as a cornerback included time spent with the Dallas Cowboys, the Houston Texans, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's recently retired from the NFL, or at least mostly retired, as he'll explain. Alan tells me he's on Survivor because he views it as the best competition he's ever seen on television. And by his own admission, he's addicted to competition. But Alan is out here for more than that. In his own words, he's out here to find quote-unquote different shit about himself. I'll let Alan explain what he means when we get into the interview. Alan is far from the first professional athlete to compete on Survivor, or even the first NFL veteran. There's Brad Culpepper, mentioned earlier, who placed second on Survivor Game Changers. 
There's Grant Matos and Steve Wright, both of whom competed on Survivor Redemption Island. There's Survivor Guatemala's Gary Hogaboom, alias Gary Hawkins, the first contestant to ever find and play a hidden immunity idol. All four of those players enjoyed fairly deep runs on Survivor, but all four of them fell short of the win. In the immediate aftermath of my conversation with Alan, a charismatic man with enough athleticism to make him invaluable in the early going of the game, I'm left with the sense that I may have just spoken with the first professional athlete to ever win Survivor, at least since soccer star Ethan Zahn and Lithuania's own Aris Bushkowskis. Alan is not quite my winner pick at the end of the press day. Comparing me to a Judd Apatow regular, it's not the cleanest way to my heart, but he's very high up on my list. Before we get into my interview with Alan, let's hear from Jeff Probst for his thoughts on the NFL player. Well, Alan came in the room and told us his story. First of all, his smile and the way he talks about his wife really charmed us. He, you know, he jokingly talks about, hey man, happy wife, happy life. But when you go a little further, you realize he actually means that, that I want my wife to be happy. She has good advice for me. She always tells me things to look out for, tendencies that I have. And I found that really charming. And then when I heard his story of how much work it took for him to get into the NFL, he's already super good. But now he's trying to get to great, the highest level. And he thought it was going to be easy, and it wasn't. And he had to work, and he was humbled. And he got back in and dug in again and said, I'm good enough to get there. I really like that story because I I think you see that play out on Survivor a lot. People that go, I wonder if I'm capable of this, and then they find out they are. Let's do it. I'm Josh. How are you, man? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. All right, have a seat. Pop squat. All right. Sand all in my ass. Oh man. Well, welcome to Survivor, buddy. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. Survivor is all sand in yes, the ass. Yes, it is. That is the name of the game. Yes, they don't bill it in the commercials. <laughs> but that's you know? what it is, that's huh? That's basically it. Why do you look so damn familiar? Though? I don't know. Do you, uh, do you watch Survivor Shit. podcasts or anything like that? I don't that think be, I ever. No, it. you look I'm like a, somebody. I also have that, that no, kind no, of. Uh, what's his name? Um, Poor dogs. What's his name? Jonah Hill. You look like I him. I do get that That's a lot. The I do. I'm a more handsome Jonah Hill. Yeah, you're more handsome. You know, I'm, you know, a, I'm a classy Probably a little stylish. You know, a little more stylish. Yeah, yeah. You know? I get you. Guy. Yeah, funny. I get you. Funny, funny. Um, Alan, how you feeling? I'm feeling good. You're out here on Survivor. I'm feeling excellent. I'm hot as shit right now, but um, <laughs> I'm feeling good. Like, once I cool off and get a, you know, get used to this sun, my skin's on fire, I'm but I'm good. You're all right. You're acclimating. I'm, I am. I'm, I'm in transition. You're in the process. You're, you're catching me in transition. So <laughs> make sure we're aware of that. Everything I say is transition. Fair enough. Fair enough. Cool. So uh, I'd love to play a quick get to know you game. All right. Let's play it. Two truths and a lie. Are you aware of two truths and a lie? Is this a drinking game? Yeah, I think traditionally. <laughs> Unfortunately, right. no booze here. Okay. But that right. would be great. Refresh me. But two truths and a lie is you're going to tell me three things about yourself. Okay. Two of them are true. Okay. One of them is a lie. Okay. I have to figure out which one is the Two lie. Two of them are true, one of them a lie. Okay. Take your time. All right. <laughs> oh, God. It's a good one. You found a good lie. I, I didn't find it. Okay. All right. This is shit. This is hard. Okay. I'm trying to give you some good ones. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Wait. This is going to be elaborate. No, I can't. I'm just trying to think. I'm trying to. I, I got them. I'm just trying to remember where, where okay. I'm putting them at. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right, we got him. Okay. I'm good. Okay. All right, let's hear it. Um, shit, I forgot my other truth. Okay. Um, 
in high school, my average GPA was a 3.6. Okay. I am my mom's only boy. Okay. And I was once on a boat that crashed. You were once on a boat that crashed. I believe that you had the 3.5 GPA. I believe that. I believe that you were on a boat that crashed. I think the second one is the lie. So you think I'm my mom's only a boy? <laughs> You're not very good at this game. No. How often do you play it? Oh my god. Not <laughs> I've, never, often. I've never been on a boat that crashed. <laughs> you think I would be honest? You think I would ever get on a boat again if I was on a boat that crashed? Even for Survivor, you I would never get on a boat again. <laughs> All right. Like, what? So, what happens if you're on a boat this season that crashes? You're just going to. We're I'm done. done with boats. We're <laughs> I'm out. I'm done with boats. I'm going to finish this. I'm going to win this, and then I'm and done. And then you're done. I'm done. And then never you're again. Done. <laughs> never again. I'll play truth and a lie again, and somebody somebody will be my truth. <laughs> All right, Alan, tell me about yourself outside of the fact that you hate boats. I, I don't hate boats. You have a future vendetta against boats. Yeah, if it ever crashes, I'm never getting on again. So tell me about yourself. I am um, I am retired from the NFL. Um, I played nine years in the NFL. I got drafted by the Dallas Cowboys. Spent my first five years there. Uh, left there and went to the Texans. Played a year there. And left there and went to Jacksonville. Probably uh, played stay there two years. Probably my best years of my career in Jacksonville as cool. a Jaguar. Um, left there and went to Chicago. Um, played in Chicago a year. And I, my most recent year was with Arizona, but I didn't finish um, injury. And, um, what was the injury? I, I tore my groin, I mean my quad, pretty bad. So um, it was tough getting back from that. And, you know, um, as you get older, everything becomes tougher. And not even that it's just the tough part of just the, the healing itself, but just the mental that. Yeah, it's I been bet. nine years, man. It's like, damn, I'm still going. Like, it's kind of like, it's okay. It's a grind, I'm it sure. It is, it is. And you kind of just want life to happen. So I am... Um, I'm recently married, got married in June. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, How's that going? It's tough as shit. Um, but I mean, I love her. So that's what I'm always, aware, that's always what pulls us together. Um, yeah, um, I live in Houston right now. I'm originally from Detroit. Um, I am the youngest. I have two older sisters, uh, a beautiful niece and a nephew. Uh, love my parents to, de to death, still together. Uh, went to U of I, University of Illinois. Um, uh, I love Chicago. I love Detroit, but I hate the cold, so I don't know really how that works now, but, you know, um, Houston is good for me. Uh, where else can I go? Um, Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> so got, you retired, and now you're active it, roster what, Survivor. What the hell else can I do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I think, you know, just this for me is, it's the best, it's one of the best forms of competition that I've seen on TV just for the simple fact that you step out here and everybody's on an even playing field. And that is, you know, in my in my game of football, you know, we're all on the same playing field, but we all train for the same thing every day. We eat, sleep, drink, and shit football. You know what I mean? So when it's time to play, we've all trained for the same shit. Here, you never know what skill somebody possesses that makes them a mastermind of what they do. And that's intriguing to me because now we're all on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm physically able to do a lot of shit. I know my mind works in a different way than a lot of other people. But now we're at bare minimum. And we have to figure it out. <laughs> and not only do you have to figure it out sometimes as a group, but then it becomes you have to figure it out by yourself. Yeah. So that's just intriguing to me. And um, that's why I'm here. Um, that, that, that competitive switch, even though I'm not playing ball right now, you can't turn it off and I think that's what made me successful for so long is that that drive to compete is addictive to me um, anyway
form, shape, or possible I can find a way to compete, I'm going to do it. And it's just become an addiction of mine. And I, honestly, I don't think it's a bad addiction because it's made me successful in a lot of ways. Um, and it's brought me here. Yeah. And there we go. And when you retired, was there a part of you that's like, well, shit, now what? Like, for I want to compete for, in something. You know, for, a, for an instant, it's, it's now, And when did you retire again? It hasn't been official. I've done it by word. It's not official yet. So technically, I'm still a free agent. Okay. As of right now, but um, we are. Is it possible you'll change your mind? I'm. I, I say I leave the door open, but it'll have to be the right situation. Everything will have to fit. Um, you know, especially just being newly married. I'm kind of just want life. Yeah, live your life to begin in a different way. And I think being hurt this past season, that September through December, I never lived a September through December where it wasn't football you know you so, had a fall yeah so for me it was Chris all, Bottom leaves yeah it was I, I got to live in my house for four months you know like part of the year that I've never been able to do and I mean it was I just saw things and got to do things and experience things that I mean I, I, you know you question whether okay you know I'm in a good place I've been blessed it's nothing that the NFL gave me that I, I can regret or say I would do differently and uh fortunately enough i put myself in a situation where i have time just to enjoy life a little bit and um, this is the next challenge that i want to conquer and um, that's why i'm here so for me i know the question is going to come up about why i'm here and it, for me it's not the money and um i know the money would be great you know but this is an accomplishment that I'm going to achieve a goal that I set for myself to accomplish on a different level than probably why a lot of people are here. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the midst to find out some different shit about myself. What are you hoping to find out? You know, just, just how far I can push myself. Um, I've, I've set my, I've lived a very, very private life. You know, I don't, for the most part, honestly, if, if, if you're not in the world that I live in, I don't really associate myself with, you know, I keep to myself for the most part. I haven't been very social, but that kept me out of trouble for a long time as well. But now I'm put in a situation where I have to open up. I have to come outside my shell. You gotta be vulnerable. I have to come out of my box. I have to open myself up to people in a way that I never have and never thought I would. And it's scary, but it's also exciting for the simple fact that I don't know what's gonna come out. And honestly, there may be a side of me that might propel that comes out that propels me into a something way farther than I could ever imagine. So I'm excited about cool. it. So tell me a bit about your philosophy on Survivor. Mm -hmm. You know, studying up, boning up, getting ready for this game. How do you view the game? How do you view Survivor and how you're supposed to be, you know, what you're supposed to do in order to be successful at it? Adapt. Um, I think this is a game that's full of adaption. Um, I think that things in this game can change in a heartbeat and at the drop of a dime and I think it's it's funny because everybody says so what's your strategy what, what are you going to do going in you know and, and what, what do you plan on doing and you, you watch it and you say you know you can see where people get caught when their strategy breaks down when everything they dreamed about and everything they planned to do up to that point breaks down some people get caught and some people don't some people are just on the drop of a dime and I think for me I know how I want to play it you know, I know I want to slide in the background. I know I want to be a silent leader. I know that I just want to let my personality take over and let people gravitate towards me to make the moves that I need to move, make. I know all of those things going in, but it's a lot of people coming from 
different places that may be just like me and feel the same way and want to do the same shit that I plan on doing. So I may have to change that. So I think, fortunately enough, I'm gifted enough physically at the beginning of the part of the game, what I can do physically can make help me throughout the beginning of the game and give me a little bit of time to really get to know people, really figure people out, really put people in the places that I need them in and, and, and kind of figure out how I can use them for my benefit. And then I think after I, I analyze and I put all of those pieces together after this takes control, because I know physically I don't have to put a lot of effort into what I'm going to be able to do and how I can help the team. It's just a matter of when it, when it gets to nut cutting time and it's time to get rid of people, how have I put myself in a position where I become more valuable than just a physical dominant person? Yeah. You know, so... If I answered your question, did no, I answer totally, hundred percent, okay, 100%, 100%. okay, cool. Um, I have to confess that I am not a big sports guy. That's fine. I'm not um, a big sports guy. <laughs> so my, my question for you is, you know, when you were playing football, mm -hmm. um, what was your what was your role? Like, you know, your what, what what did you play? So I played corner and I played safety. I played nickel. I played everything in the secondary. I'm, so a lot of times when people say that, I say, you know, I'm the guy, you know, who. Terrell Owens is. Yeah. You know what he does? He's a receiver. He yeah. catches the ball. I'm the guy who tries to stop him from catching the ball. Got it. <laughs> so that that's that's my job. How that's do you transpose role. like that experience to something on Survivor? Are they? Is it impossible to even translate no, what you do there? To it's no, no, no. It's no that that level of of I don't. There's. <laughs> I mean, honestly, they, you're not trying to get somebody to not catch the there's ball. There's not that level of preciseness yeah. that I could actually use here, and that level of physicality that I could use here. I think um, if you if we're saying what can I translate from the NFL to here, I think you know the ability to work with people. at any given time. I'm in a I'm in a room. I'm in a locker room with 60 guys. Yeah. One day, the next day, that locker room. Three of those guys might go be gone. Three more guys might be in there. So for me, Flexible. We're, we're always trying to figure out a way to accomplish what we want to accomplish winning with the guys that we're there with. We have no control over the people we're there with. We're not the owner. We don't sign people. We're not the coaches. We don't decide who plays. None of that. But it's our job to figure out how to work with the person next to us to accomplish the goal we're trying to accomplish. And at any moment, those people can change. And it's also pretty similar in the fact that those guys come from all over we got guys from detroit new york florida california samoa everywhere and they're all coming into the same place i don't know what their journey is i don't know what their background is and honestly i don't care we're trying to accomplish one thing right now and that's where it comes into play you know and i and i think that that has another another thing to do with adaptability just learning to know how to work with people and figuring out what makes somebody tick what do I need to say to this person to get them on the same page with me? What do I need to say to this person? How do I need to communicate with this person that, hell, look, we got to work harder, but not offend this person at the same time? Or, you know, an only child who's been spoiled all his life, a superstar who's probably making the most money. How do I translate my message to him without offending him? Right. Or vice versa, you know? And, yeah, so. So you've been playing the social politics for a while. For a long time. Yeah. For a long time. Cool, cool. The next hero on the call sheet is Ashley Nolan, a 26-year-old lifeguard from Satellite Beach, Florida. By the time Ashley reaches my jungle cubicle, I've already interviewed several of her competitors. Over the course of those interviews, I presented each survivor with headshots of their rivals to get their earliest impressions of their future allies and enemies on the record. Ashley sports a wide smile in her photo, 
which is apparently a far cry from how she's coming off to the other heroes, healers, and hustlers in the lockdown, no-talking pregame conditions at Ponderosa. Some testimonials from Chrissy Hoffbeck, Rourke Luskin, and Simone Wynn, respectively. I don't think she likes me. Why? She's very angry. <laughs> okay, tell me more. She just seems very angry. She, you know, other contestants are looking at each other and kind of smiling as we walk by. She never smiles. She never looks, the, you know, I don't know whether she's just really following the rules and she's really a very lovely person in real life, which could definitely be the answer. Um, but um, she does not look like a warm and fuzzy. So that is like the first time I've ever seen her smile. Thank okay. you for that image. Um, I think that she might be afflicted with resting bitch face, which is not her fault. Um, but I think it might be her cross to bear. She is so insecure. Why do you say that? She, like, every time she looks at a pretty girl, she just looks away. And anytime a guy looks at her, she is just eating it up. And I'm thinking to myself, like, this might be one of those girls who thinks, oh, I'm not like other girls. I don't like the drama. And then, and then, like, what's wrong with other girls? Like, what's, like, what, what is so inherently bad about hanging out with someone who is prettier than you? I'm sorry I was born this way. Um, but, you know, maybe she's nice. Given the reviews, I wasn't expecting a warm and fuzzy conversation with Ashley when she sat down across from me. I was pleasantly surprised to be proven wrong, as we discussed shark attacks and plane crashes and other assorted daydreams about fatalities. You know, really warm and fuzzy stuff. The undeniable fact is that at the time of this conversation, several of Ashley's competitors would be just fine if she was the first one out. But for what it's worth, when I spoke with the cast of Survivor Game Changers before that season, many of the players remarked on Officer Sarah Lucina's similarly solemn disposition, and she went on to win the million. My interview with Ashley, after these thoughts from Probst. I love Ashley. Ashley is that, that girl, and I don't know if this, if this makes sense, and I hope it's respectful, but, I mean, she can throw down. You know, Ashley's a lifeguard. So, first of all, she sits out there, and she said, I'm so aware. People think lifeguards just sit up on a tower and don't do anything. She goes, I'm, I'm exhausted at the end of the day because all I'm doing is watching human behavior. That guy's in trouble. I can tell by the way he's walking into the water. He does not know. How, and there he goes. And she takes off. But Ashley's also the woman who says, yeah, I'll throw a beer back with you or four. Because she's not, she's not, um, she's not afraid to get hurt. She's not afraid to get dirty, you know. And I, I, those women tend to do really well on this show. Because they saddle up next to a guy, saddle up next to a guy and say, you and I can do this. I might surprise you out here. I think she's going to do really well. Ashley, how are you feeling? I'm feeling super excited. You're pretty pumped to I'm be here. I'm pretty stoked to be here, yeah. yeah. Is it it's crazy like, to be like in this sort of like quiet lockdown period of time? Oh, absolutely, it's the worst. I mean, I'm trying to take it like day by day, step by step. I know it's all part of the process and I'm just trying to keep mellow about it and just go with the flow, but in my head, I'm just like, I wanna know these people. I wanna tear into their brains and find out what's going on in yeah. their heads. You know, I'm like, all we can do is just look at each other and eye each other up and take our best guesses about like what they're thinking and what they have what their plan is but there's just no way to know until we can finally talk to each other and communicate and see you know who the real person is behind everyone so it's killing me yeah absolutely I'm a talker too so it's killing me just to keep quiet I have to like bite my tongue yeah that's gonna be like my biggest challenge this whole thing is biting my tongue yeah. a little bit so I don't 
say anything too much to piss anyone off, right. but right now it's just like Cool, ah. well this is a place where we can talk, so this is gonna be great. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd like to play a little get to know you game. Okay. Uh, this might be helpful for the, the game that you're about to embark on. It's two truths and a lie. Are you familiar? <laughs> um, okay, vaguely, yeah. Okay, so two truths and a lie is you're gonna tell me three things about yourself. Okay. Two of these things are true. Okay. One of these things is a lie. You're going to make up a lie about yourself. And then it's up to me to figure out which one is the lie. All right. That sounds fun. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's see here. Okay. okay. I, I think I got let's it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. One, I have been bitten by a shark. Okay. Two, um, I've played tackle football. <laughs> okay. Three, um... Oh, let's see. Three. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, I am. Oh, okay. How did I not know this? I am uh, first place female surfer in all of the East Coast. Interesting. Okay. Well, I know that you're an ocean rescue captain. So the first two feel like there could be some truth. The, the, the first and third, I bet you've been bitten by a shark. Is that the lie? Or is it true? That's true. It's <laughs> That's true. not the lie. So you've been bitten by a shark? Yeah. Can you tell me that story before we even go any further? Because that's mean, crazy. It's pretty mild of a story. It was very, like, people hear bitten by shark, that people call them, like, shark attacks all the time. And it's, like, really not, like, they're not always as vicious as they seem. It was just barely broke the skin. It was while I was out surfing um, on my leg and really, like, barely even a scar from it or anything. But it was just... It was a shark and it bit me. You got it bit by a shark. Real quick and let no go. big deal. No. I mean, look, I sit in front of a computer all day. This is a very big <laughs> for you, deal maybe, for me. Yeah, I forget that. Like, I have come from such a different world at work. I mean, I've treated more shark bites than anything. You know, I treat them all the time. And more often than not, they're not reported. They're not, you know, surfers all the time just like drive themselves to the hospital where I'm from. They're not big sharks, you know. I go to California and people are like, I'm like, oh, I'll be sketched out about the great white sharks or something, you know. And I'm like, um, you know, aren't you guys ever get nervous about the sharks out here? And they're like, you're from Florida. Don't you get nervous about the sharks out there? I'm like, yeah, I guess you're right. Cause we get way more bites. It's just like not as serious out there. California, you guys have like, um, you know, the great whites, right. we just have little guys like that. They bite you and you're just like, shit, now I got to stop surfing. I guess I got to go see it, get stitches maybe, you know? So it's not always as like bad as it okay. seems. It still know? seems pretty hardcore it to does. me. Yeah, it's pretty, you never know though. It could be worse, so. I have to assume you've played tackle football. I did, okay, yeah. Okay, so you're not the number one surfer, I'm but you're not. a surf no, fan. No, I am a surf fan. Yeah, I would love to be. That's like always growing up, that'd be my, my dream job. I was asked that once in, in college, what would be your dream job if money or, you know, education wasn't a factor or anything like that just if you could start doing something right now and you that could be your job for pro surfer life. like yeah pro surfer for sure so the next best thing was a pro lifeguard so i can at least surf on my breaks and i like to say i am sort of a pro surfer because i get paid to do it every once in a while on my lunch break so i think yeah. that counts but you know we, we call it water patrol out there you know you're still keeping an eye on everybody so it's kind of the safest place to be is out there in the water with everyone so get away with it from time to time yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, what led you to this lifestyle you know to be somebody who really lives and breathes being out in the ocean being out in the water oh man I just from the moment I was born I probably um, you know my parents always say I could swim before I could walk and that was probably they just threw me in the ocean and just <laughs> like, figure it out you know and if she if she doesn't obviously we won't let her die but she'll figure it out next time and she'll figure it out and once you figure it out you do like 
you know, kids are incredibly adaptable. People um, baby them a little too much, in my opinion. So you just kind of got to let them figure it out. And that's what I did. Yeah. And so I was just raised literally 50 yards from the ocean. So that was just our go-to family event. That's every day during the summer. Me and my friends just walk over the beach and go swim and go surf and go, you know, climb trees or play anything outdoors and on the beach and whatnot so I mean my family we had boats growing up and would always fish and so just I'm more comfortable outdoors than I am indoors and, yeah and um with the job like I said I actually I had a desk job for a brief time and it paid well and what, it was, what were you doing I was uh, an executive assistant for an environmental company so I was passionate about that I'm really into the environment yeah, so it's stuff. within so, the world still yeah exactly yeah exactly so I was getting into that world um with that job and one day I just was so actually I think the waves were firing that day and I was super bummed that I had to go to work and I'm sitting there at the desk and I'm like this sucks you know what am I and this is not a rational adult feeling I should be like okay but I'm an adult now this is I have to work like you have to have a job actually <laughs> suck it up but you know I'm like sitting there I'm like what else can I do like what have I not done yet that I could I'm not meant to sit at a desk and I knew that like the whole time I'm like I'll, I'll get used to it I'll get used to it I never got used to it so I just Googled lifeguards right then, just looking around, kind of looking all over the country, just messing around. I saw like my county was hiring for the next seasonal group in the, in, next, in the next two weeks. So I quit my day job that day, put my two weeks in that day. I was like, I have two weeks to train. I'm gonna go be an ocean rescue lifeguard. My boss looked at me like I was batshit crazy. He was like, okay. And um, so that's how that happened. And then I realized I was really good at that. I'm like, this is more like it. You know, I'm sitting there on the lifeguard tower. I'm like, this feels right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not staring at a computer. I'm, you know, getting a workout every every other hour and getting to, you know, watch the ocean and go jump in whenever I want to and get paid for it. I'm like, this is this is way more my style. So, <laughs> so. give me a day in the life of what you do. Like, what is a what is a typical day? What's a good day like? Yeah, good day. Um, you know, I show up and. Uh, business comes first we check all our medical equipment I'm the EMT as well so I'm the one responding to all the emergencies and whatnot so we check all that and then we have an hour of PT which is like physical training in the morning and I run that when, when it's a summer we have our seasonal guards out there so I run that we do like um, whatever you know run swim run or some whatever kind of workout or we work on medical um, medical scenarios and all that stuff um, so then we send all the guards out to the beach and I go and like, check them all and just wait for something crazy to happen. You know, like I said, I've treated like, I've treated all kinds of shark bites. We get missing people. We get a lot of missing people in my area of the beach. It's like super touristy. So I'm always like looking for people. Do you but, usually find them? Um, you know, 50, 50, but the ocean just tends to take people. No, yeah. just, I'm actually kidding. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. We always find them. It's like, I'm going to stay indoors. <laughs> never coming outside yeah, once again. Once the ocean has you. Yeah. Has you. Yeah. No. Yeah. We always normally yeah, we usually find them but you know like the crazier stuff we've had like planes crash land right out fr right out in front of my tower oh, where wow. i've got to respond on the jet ski and, and go and help with that situation everyone was fine in that scenario but um yeah i mean it you is can that have the a craziest day. thing you've had on the job is a plane crash right in front of you i gotta that's imagine probably it's one top. of them yeah that's hard to top and that's like a dream job you know actually it's kind of weird We're, we tend to be daydreamers out there because there's a lot of time i was gonna say there's some days that go by and absolutely nothing happens you know you sat there all day you watched everyone crowds and crowds and crowds of people and just nothing happens you know and that happens so that in those times it's funny because you sit there and the things you think of happening are crazier than could ever actually happen but you're like man wouldn't that be sick if just a plane 
dove in and hit a boat and it was just massive you know it sounds sick of me to say that because it's like but you're sitting there in your tower you're, you're like, wondering what i would be such a legend you know <laughs> and that's what you think of like that's what i think of i'm like how how would i be a what would be legendary you know to happen and like and that's the difference between two there's two different kind of people it's like some people are like i hope that never happens to me you know and i've met lifeguards that come out and they that they only do one season and they quit because they realize like I don't want that to happen. I don't want to have to... I, they sit there the whole time, Tim, and they're like, I hope this doesn't happen. I wouldn't know what to happen if this happened. You know, and I'm just like, bring it on. Like, I hope I get the bloodiest or the, you know, the, the deadliest... Not deadly, you know. I was just, Probably because <laughs> you, know you feel I mean? like you're but you're equipped like, and you're ready I to do it. I want to be that person that's in the action. Yeah, that's running the show and in the action. Yeah, we've had like missing people in the water. Um, which, you know, that's why I said sometimes we don't find them you know submerged victims i get called to all stretches of the beach miles down uh we get toned out by 911 all time for calls that aren't in our area but that i respond to so um there's a huge variety of things that can happen at the ocean you know it's the most unpredictable environment that they're in or that there is and so that's why i'm like i have like this high on life knowing like i can conquer that like that's my territory so it's kind of like how i'm i'm bringing that over into this island like this is my territory you know i i direct people every day as well like i'm not just sitting there on tower daydreaming about <laughs> fatalities right <laughs> but you know i'm also i'm in i'm in charge of running the show so i know i have the people skills i have the physical skills i have the confidence that i'm i'm where i'm supposed to be environment wise and how to dictate that environment and dictate the people around me so i'm i couldn't be more excited going into this so tell me a little bit about your view on survivor this is the craziest game there is right yeah. i mean like there's backstabbing there's blind sides there's everything um what's your philosophy on survivor as you're about to play it oh man this this show is batshit crazy i've learned you know i started watching it as a kid and at first it just was it was much more it was much more mellow it's just you survive and you vote people out maybe you vote this person out and it seemed more of a of a um a sure thing there was a sure thing you know this person was the obvious vote and it was a lot less um you, you know a lot less dramatic i think and now these days it's like you can't trust anybody and that's the name that's part of the game you know now we've had we have the blind sides that's if there's not a blind side at a tribal council it's like what okay that's it interesting rare. it's almost more interesting that way when it's like oh it went exactly how you thought it was gonna go what um so these days it's just you no one's safe you know and um this show's just it's crazy it's very it's like almost symbolic of society in a very smaller scale because you're kind of building your own society and it's like everyone's trying to climb their way to the top and that's what we're all trying to do you can try to hide somewhere in the middle and you are normally going to get exposed if you try to stay at the bottom and just act like you're invisible you're definitely going to maybe be carried to the end because of that because you're not sticking up for yourself and you have nothing to offer anyone but you never want to be that person because that's you're gonna be the first once they're done with you they're done with you and you're gonna be gotten rid of you know you're not gonna win that way and yeah the evolution of this game is so crazy because you have to make moves to win you can't just slide by anymore and go unnoticed like you have to be making big moves what do you think of bg oh this is beautiful i mean i love my hometown but i'm like i would much rather i'll work this beach any day it's absolutely beautiful you know i can i could tell my other contestants are kind of like wondering what the hell just happened to them because they're not used to some of them are definitely not used to this heat or you know this environment walking through the sand I hear 
complaining about stepping on shells. I, I feel like it's a big group of complainers, quite honestly. Like, first time I've heard a couple of them talk was just like, oh, my feet hurt, it's so hot. Oh my gosh, I need water, it's so, my hair. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you know, you gotta get your beach feet and ready to go. You right. should have been walking on stones before you came out here. You knew you you're gonna be in some kind of environment that you weren't used to, you know? So you feel comfortable. I couldn't feel more comfortable. I'm trying to like, I couldn't take my clothes off quick enough, get in my <laughs> bikini, take my shoes off. They're like, oh, you might wanna bring shoes to protect your toes. I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> and yeah, it's so funny. I realized for the first time when I got to hear some people's reactions of walking on the stones when we were taking some photos and stuff. I'm like, man, they're weaker than I thought. You know, this isn't even that bad, but they're complaining about walking through sand. Like, this is cake for me so far. How are you gonna do with that complaining? Like, can you, can you like not be like, upset about the complaining like can you ring oh, that god, in? i've already had to try i was already we're you know we're still even not even allowed to talk to each other so and i'm like muttering things under my breath like you gotta be fucking kidding me like it's just like it's just sand or it's just that or just that like there's no in my eye there's no point of complaining it doesn't get you anywhere it doesn't make any situation better for yourself you just sound annoying and you sound weak so even if something does bother me I won't complain about it, really. I mean, if you hear me doing it, come slap me in the face and be like, get back in the game, Ashley. Your dad would be so disappointed if you were complaining. Well, right these now. interviews and like the <laughs> confessionals and stuff, that's your place to vent. Yeah, so that's right. Please do. We're going to want to see yeah, that. But yeah. I'm def yeah, but I'm definitely going to not do it. Like, there's so other people I've heard are like so open about being weak. I'm like, this is, you don't want me to hear you complaining. So I'm going to, I'm going to jump on that. I'm going to, if you sound weak, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to jump all over that, you know? Um, but yeah, for other, it's hard for me to bite my tongue, like I said, and I'm, I've been told before, a lot of people coming out here were like, you know, be yourself, you know, you're great, you're gonna be great for the camera's gonna love you, you know, you're funny, be yourself, be witty, be yourself, don't hold back on yourself. And then the other half, you know, maybe people that I work with, more or less, are just like, do not be yourself. <laughs> you can be Rain a, it in. Yeah, they're like, whatever you do, just don't be yourself. Be a totally different person. Because yeah they're like don't be bossy don't be bitchy don't be so you know sarcastic turn the filter on from like a zero to like a two mm -hmm. you know <laughs> a little bit like don't be quite yourself and i'm like that makes a lot of sense you know because it's hard for me when i see disorder to not want to be the one that's creating order you yeah. know when i see people you know we had to put go they tried, they tried to put us in two single file lines yesterday and i've never seen people like their minds were so boggled like two it did take a while two lines you're saying single file lines east to west north to south which way am i facing when am i behind him i'm like dude dark hair blonde hair go everyone behind them like and i i said something of that sort out loud and i'm like shit ashley shut up <laughs> like you know like you're you're letting it show already i'm like no if everyone forget i said that you know because i automatically just you know I, I realized in that moment i'm like oh this is gonna be harder than i thought because i'm seeing like I said, the disorder, I'm just like, come on, people, like, I want to direct, you know, and I'm like, don't do that right away, it's not, it might work for a little while, but they're going to be like, this girl's bossy, you yeah. know, I've been told that many times, I come off, I think I come off much differently than I think I do, Okay. a lot of the times, you know, I'm either, it's very sarcastic, but that'll be taken as serious, and they're like, that's a bitchy thing to say, I'm like, I was kidding, you know, but, <laughs> or, you know, I'm, I think I'm, 
being nice and trying to construct some kind of order. And I'm like, hey, like, let's do this for the best of everyone. But really, it's coming off as, what the fuck's wrong with you guys? <laughs> like, right. I didn't mean it that way. So I'm really trying to like focus on how I'm perceived. You know, I, I like that comes along with the uh, with the filter comment. Go from like a zero to a two. Maybe think. How is this going to be perceived to other people before I say it? Right. You know, and we'll, we'll see how that goes. I could feel miserably. With our next interview, we turn to Ben Driebergen, the ex-Marine from Boise, Idaho. As a means of introducing the man, let's bring Alan back into the conversation. This is what Alan told me about his first impressions of Ben before the two men ever exchanged a word with one another. He's a character. He's a character. He kind of reminds me of somebody on The Voice. You, you watch The Voice? No, I don't. Okay, so look, uh, The Voice is kind of like, uh, uh, well, I can't. It's gonna. I can't give an analogy. He kind. He's kind of one of those guys who, you, you look at him and you're expecting one thing, and the way I watch him, he's full of personality. He seems. He good sense of humor. Uh, it's kind of one of those. You just don't. The, the Voice is so. It's based on you looking at not being able to see somebody, but hearing them. Right. You can see him, but his personality speaks a lot louder than his look. In my experience, Alan is absolutely right. You can hear Ben's personality coming a mile away. But the man's look is pretty interesting, too, like I mentioned at the top of this podcast. Thick beard, the occasionally implemented cowboy hat, and tons of tattoos. In fact, almost every time I showed a picture of Ben to the other castaways, his tattoos came up. Here's what Ben has to say about his own ink. Best tattoos, probably you my, got a lot. my bull rider. Oh wow, that's badass. Yeah. Holy crap, that hurt. Uh, well, it feels I mean, like that'd be a funky spot. It, you know, this was in one sitting too, dude. So that was probably eight hours, and it's all black, but there's a little bit of white. Yeah. And, and the white is what hurt at the end. I you bet. Know? You can like you the little accents. Yeah, you can hardly. Because it's like really fine, so that must have been. There's like, like a dot or two. You know, the white probably took half an hour out of the eight hours, and I was. I was cringing like a baby when the white went in. Oh, God. What does that say on the top 1925? This to is what? for Grandpa. Okay. Uh, 1925, what is it? 2009. 2009. Yeah. Uh, my grandpa, he was in uh, the Navy and the Army, but he had an anchor on his arm. And being a kid, you know, sitting on his lap, lap and everything, it, we'd pick at the anchor. I remember picking at his anchor, his tattoo on his arm and, and his hair and stuff. And then he had tractors growing up, too. And so... Like, we all, all the cousins, we got a huge family. The Drebergens are, are legendary family. We're legendary. Like, there's, it's us. In my interview with Ben, you'll hear a whole lot more about the legendary family known as the Drebergens. You'll also hear about Ben's past as a Marine, a time in his life that he speaks about with an almost faraway quality. There's an air of wisdom and experience about Ben that you might not get upon first glance. But further inspection of the former Marine will make this man's threat level abundantly clear as observed by the Healers Tribe's Dr. Mike Zahalski. Honestly, I think he's the biggest threat in the game. Let's check in again with Probst for his thoughts on Ben. I love Ben. Ben walked in in a cowboy hat and a plaid shirt, I think boots and a pair of jeans, sat down and said, well, what do you want to know? And we said, well, who are you? He goes, well, you know, done a little this, done a little that, was in the service for a while and did a couple of tours. He made it sound like he was out in the backyard mowing the lawn, you know, and then he... And then he also shared, really honestly, he said, and now I'm not doing something I love. You know, I'm working to make a living for my family, and I want more. And I see this game as something that could change my life. There's a million dollars. I don't care how hard it is. I've done hard. 
I want this for my kids and my wife. Man, it's a hard, it's a hard story to not move you. I mean, that is what Survivor offers a lot of people. 39 days, you gotta be strategic, you've gotta be savvy about human nature, you've gotta be willing to endure sometimes some extremely tough situations, but you could come home with a million bucks and a sense of pride that you did it. You beat everyone else in this game. Ben, how you doing? I'm doing good, bud. You're feeling all right? I'm feeling good, yeah, I'm ready to go. Happy to be out here? I'm really happy to be out here, yeah. Tell, tell me your story, who are you? What's going on with you? Um, well, um, I'm Ben Drebergen, I'm uh, from Boise, Idaho, I'm 34 years old. Uh, I'm a dad, a husband, and I uh, work at a, like a grocery distribution center back home. But, uh, you know, before that I was in the Marine Corps, uh, helped stake out land in Alaska after I got done with that, worked in bars, as bouncers and bartenders, and, and then, uh, you know, went to North Dakota, went, lived in Wyoming and built fence out there. So you've been around. Been around, yeah. I woke up in uh, in Colorado, Denver, Colorado, from being in a rodeo and a concert in Cheyenne. Woke up in Denver and basically moved to Texas. Uh, I got married to my first wife in a truck in Vegas. Uh, that, the that, wedding was in the truck? The wedding was in the truck. It was at a drive through wedding. <laughs> it feels cramped. I can't imagine the guest list no, was very the, big. The, no, it wasn't. I think our best man and woman were in the back seat. <laughs> and then the... Uh, the, the preacher came out with like a Burger, through, Burger King drive through window and put the speakers and played Here Comes the Bride. And I was she, right here. She's not, she's right next to me. So, but that was fun. That was, uh, and then, but now my, my wife now is, is amazing. She's beautiful. There's a lot of pretty girls out here, but uh, my wife takes a cake on that one. So awesome. It's easy to be out here knowing that I got her back home with my kids. And so. you've got kids. How many kids do you have? I have two kids, uh, one boy. He's, he's five, his name's Wyatt. And uh, when he came, we played We Are the Champions right as, right after he came out of her. <laughs> right, like, the nurse had it all queued wow. up. Yeah, yeah, my wife was trying to be funny, like, and a smart, smart ass, basically, you know. The nurse asked her, is there anything else, you know, we want, you know, you guys want done, you know? Like, how do you want the baby, you know, when he comes? And, and she's like, just play We Are the Champions, when you, and she's like, I can do that. <laughs> She's like, no, no, no. I was like, honey, you made your bed. You sleep in it now. So sure, sure shit. Right, they, so Wyatt is a natural born champion. He is. He's a cha He's a Drebergen, you yeah. know, you know, and then my daughter, Gracie is three years old. Well, going to turn three here soon while I'm out here. And she's amazing. She's, she's a beautiful, beautiful, healthy little baby girl. But she's sassy as all hell, so <laughs> she's also a Drebergen. So we're we're in for a world so of her. The world guys, is in for a world so of her. So you guys are sassy champions. We that's are. That's how we would describe <laughs> the Drebergens. Yeah, yeah, sassy champions. Yeah, we're good at what we do, and, and don't piss us off. Very cool. So you were in the Marines. I was in Can the Marines. Can you talk about that experience a little bit? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, like any Marine at that time when I was in. Um, when when two, did you 2003 okay. is when I went in, and... Uh, you know, was in the infantry and went over to Iraq and, uh, you know, did what Marines do best. And, and, uh, and um, yeah, I was, I was a good Marine. I was good at my job. I was company honor man out of boot camp and school and, and loved what I did. And then, you know, certain things happen and, and certain people, you know, you lose friends. And, and, you know, the Marine Corps was a good experience. It was also a bad experience, of course. but you got to learn from it, and, and uh, it's hard, you know, being uh, 
you feel like you're alone when you come back. And every Marine and Army and just veteran in general that comes back from all that stuff is a lot on on his or her plate. Can't even imagine. And, you know, you, you have a foot in the grave and you don't care about nothing. There's help now that's out there, but you kind of just got to figure it out for yourself. And once you do, it makes life a lot better. And life is worth living after you get back. And there is something to your life after you get back. You know, what we all did over there doesn't define us. And, and you know, you regret doing some stuff and, and you, you wish some other stuff could have happened. But that's in the past and just you know grow from it and find yourself and go out in nature go in the mountains go down by the river go on survivor go on survivor you know <laughs> i've already found myself you know five years ago six years ago if you would have asked anyone that knew me that i'd have a family a house two kids a good job and i'd be on survivor they'd, they'd think you're crazy they'd kick you in your shin like <laughs> you're out of your mind like no not the ben i know but uh you know, my wife helped me out a lot, and I and I love her for that. She's given me two kids, so that's why I'm out here. I'm out here for them and us and, and to better our life, so that's why I'm here. How did you get roped into this? How did you get sucked into the Survivor Vortex? The Vortex of Survivor. Well, <laughs> I guess well, it was an ex-girlfriend that like started to get me to watch Survivor, and uh, and that was like here and there. Or whatnot and then uh, once I met my wife I really started like watching it I had the time to watch it basically and so we'd watch it every season you know and I'd always be like I could do that oh hell oh I could do that no don't do that you know coach it and and my wife's like well just make a video just make a video then and like I think she was saying it just so she would stop hearing it get you know? it off the and she's chest, yeah. she's regretting that now because she's like what this don't happen to us this don't happen you know but she knew like once they started the ball like she knew she knew they liked me and so she's nervous she's at home with two kids by herself sure. you know she's she's surviving it in her in her in her own right yeah. but uh but yeah, it's yeah. She she's kicking herself in the butt for saying make a video now. <laughs> so so you watch Survivor. You decide I can do that. Uh, here you are. You're now out here. What are your thoughts on the game? I'd love to know like what you think about Survivor as you're about to play this game. What I think about Survivor is probably it's the greatest game, social experiment, opportunity for you know the people that get to go and play it. Um, it's evolved so much in the past well obviously last season was it's called game changers the the game is gonna change and going into this season being a fan and someone who has not studied but watched and like we have survivor nights back home with my wife and i so like the kids go in our room they get movie night, we have Survivor night, we bring out the wine and we watch it. Awesome. Right? And so I love to hear that. Yeah, it's awesome. But you don't know what to expect and that's the thrill and the excitement of being here now is no nobody here knows what's going to happen you don't know if you know if it's a tie vote if it's going to go to the the breaker or rocks like i don't know if that rule's still implemented now right. or if that jeff is going to take that away that's exciting i don't know if it's a three tribe or two tribe you look around at all these people they're physical threats there's everybody here has this strong cut, both men and women, way more. Like I used to have a six pack, I got a beer gut. And 
there's still some power beneath. There's right? no way. Yeah, 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 like I could still kick it, yeah. you know. And so, it's 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 gonna be amazing. Whether it's a two tribe, three tribe, you know, um, all newbies, maybe two returnees. If you know, we got 19, 18 people out here. So it just depends on what happens. But there's no way you can predict how this game is gonna go or end up. Yeah. No, it's a crazy game. Yeah. It's, it's like that by design. Yeah. What do you think of Fiji so far? Fiji's awesome. I mean, this is paradise. It's hot, but no one's shooting at us out here. So you got the ocean, you know, you got birds chirping, and, and it's amazing. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. I, I, Once again, I never thought I'd be in Fiji, let alone on Survivor or on a podcast talking to a fuzzy radio thing here you know like yeah look at this microphone here you yeah. know like this is amazing yeah. absolutely amazing the fourth member of the heroes tribe actuary chrissy hoffbeck when i learned that chrissy was on the heroes tribe i was honestly a little bit surprised it's nothing against finance people it's just not a job i traditionally think of as heroic when i asked probst about chrissy's tribe designation he had no trouble listing off her heroic qualities. Well, the reason Chrissy's a hero in, in my eyes is you, it's a list. She's one of the most amazing women I've ever met. She broke the glass ceiling in terms of business. She's extremely successful in her career, makes a lot of money, uber smart, stops, decides to have a family, has kids, raises them, says, okay, now I'm ready to go back in. She goes back in and kicks ass again. That's a hero on so many different planes. Pick one. And what I thought was interesting about Chrissy is that she, she going into the game, she said, you know, my big fear is I'm going to be the oldest person out there. And it reminded me, man, I see you as this uber superwoman, and you find your one Achilles heel. And that's what you're focused on. And I hope that doesn't do her in because I was looking at her thinking, okay, you've got an Achilles heel. But you've got like 50 assets to use. So I'm really curious if that's just an initial fear and she'll get to the beach and her instincts and her brain will take over or if she will crush herself. Executive producer Matt Van Wagnen has a pretty compelling take on Chrissy as well, hyping her as one of the smartest contestants ever featured on Survivor. Tell me about Chrissy. Uh, Chrissy, oh my God. Okay, Chrissy is, you know, it's funny, we... It feels like every season we, you know, we say it's the smartest person we've ever had on the show and we see their IQ scores and they're off the charts. And here we are again um, with another person whose IQ scores insane, you know, uh, not just a Mensa member, but involved with Mensa, incredibly intelligent, um, incredibly charming. Uh, I think, you know, she has some concerns about her age. I don't see it as a, as a big problem with her. I think that she's, um, she's strong enough and smart enough where she can get along with everybody. I mean, I don't know how you felt about her, but I, I just enjoy talking to her. And I think that um, it's one thing when if you're the oldest person on the tribe and you're not enjoyable to talk to, then that's an issue. But if you can, if you can, you know, have a back and forth with people on your tribe, she's gonna be great. I think that um, what she, you know, um, I th a lot of people on the crew are wondering if, she, if she's going to be the person who'll be standing there at the end. Really? Yeah. When I spoke with Chrissy, I stopped short of selecting her as a winner pick, but I was certainly taken with the longtime Survivor fan and consistent applicant's approach to the game, even if I was a little concerned about her plan for one very significant lie. Here's my conversation with Chrissy. Form your predictions accordingly. I'm Josh. Hi, I'm 
Chrissy. Nice to How meet you. you. I'm so doing nice really well. You. How are you doing is the real question. I'm good. I'm like sweaty and gross and I have a day one rash all over my face okay. from sunscreen and the Fiji well, sun. Well, there you go. But, That's um, perfect. It's all part of it. That's all part of the game. All right, have a seat. First of all, how are you feeling? I am feeling totally awesome. <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. So excited to actually start the game. So, um, yeah. You're looks pumped like a, for that. Yes, and it looks like a really good group of people. Yeah, what's I your take on the group as a So as a I always whole? look at good versus evil in Survivor. And so far, it looks like we have, you know, at least... 10 or 12 good and only a couple of evil and some few that I just really can't tell the difference. You don't know so. yet. Of course, once they open their mouths, then I'll... So what really are you? Know. Are you good or evil? I am good. Is I'm that a lie or is that true? Win. Okay. <laughs> good should always win. Yeah. This is what I've been doing all day. A little bit of an icebreak or a little bit of a get to know you. A game called Two Truths and a Lie. Do you know the game? Are you familiar? I... I am familiar with the game. Okay, so shoot, it might take me a couple minutes to think about right, a few well, things. All right, well, I'll filibuster for a few seconds. So, two truths and a lie for people who do not know what two truths and a lie is. You're going to tell me three things. Mm -hmm. Two of those things will be true, one of those things will be false. Bonus points if it's something that you plan to lie about in the game. Uh, it will be up to me to determine whether or not you're telling the truth or you're telling a lie. I have to identify the lie. Okay. Um, oh, crap. I'm so not good at on-the-spot stuff, and I've played this game, and I'm trying to remember what the hell I've said before. This is good training, then. You're about to play Survivor. you got to be good at this on-the-spot. Okay. So, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. I actually won a hot tub on The Price is Right. Okay. Second one is, I have tap-danced in adult tap-dance recitals. Okay. And the third one is, I'm a mathematician. Wow, so all of them are... Hmm. I know you're a financial analyst, but that could be a mathematician as well. Oh, see, I didn't know if you knew anything about me I before do. we started. I do. You cheated. I, well, it's Survivor, so of course <laughs> I cheated. Um, I'll go with that. I'm going to say that that's the lie. Yeah, no. Because the, the other two sound extreme, but also sound awesome and possibly true. Am I right? You are totally not right. Okay. So I definitely did not win a hot tub. Really? That would have been so right, but I thought great. that one was so fun to put in there. You know what? Well, that's the thing. A big lie can sound like the I truth. I know. I know. Okay, so, so what, are, what are you lying about? Talk to me. Okay, so I'm definitely lying about my age. Okay. Because I am seriously more than two decades older than the rest of these young children who okay. are out here with me. And I don't want to be the first vote off because I'm grandma. I am the elderly of the show. Okay. Which is so scary. But I think I had said when they walked me out here and said, you're now going to do the podcast, I did say, what's a podcast? Uh -huh. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So I have to try to hold off on things like that. You know what? You're about to play Survivor. And when you come off of Survivor, you're going to find out what a podcast is I know. Is and I know quickly. I've heard of Rob has a podcast. I'm a huge Survivor fan. I just have no idea how to actually access a podcast. Someone will help you out with what this. I do about you that. Be, you will be taken care so, um, of. So you're going to lie so about I'm your gonna age. What about are you gonna age. How old are you going to say you okay, are? Okay, don't look at me with this bad rash on my I'm face on day one. Period. Eyes are closed. I'm really going to maybe try to go with 39. Okay. Is that possible? Yeah. Or do you think that's like absolutely no way? I think you could get away with that. Okay. I feel like also when you're 25, you have no idea what a 39-year-old looks like. You <laughs> well, have like no So you'd say I'm 25 years old. I actually... How old am I? is the question. You see, you're definitely older than 25 only because I know that you're successful. So okay. it takes some years to get that, but I'd put you at about 32 or 34. Wow, you hit it right on the head, 32. 32? Yeah. Okay, see, I'm a mathematician. There you go, <laughs> indeed. Okay, so the age is one thing. Um, oh, and I am um, going to also kind of dumb down my profession. So what are you so going to say? Oh, well, I'm definitely an executive level actuary. Um, I lead a huge team of people. Um, well, technically I don't because I 
had to leave my job in order to play this game. So technically oh. now I'm unemployed. So you left your job to play Survivor. I officially left a very big job to play this game. Yes. That's hardcore. But that's okay. That's hardcore. <laughs> this was the dream, yeah. right? I can get another job when I get back. There you go. Um, but um, I'm really just going to go out with insurance pricing, which no one will ever ask about again because no insurance is so insanely boring. Yes. That um, yeah, I think I'm I'm pretty. Could you speak about it if someone's interested? Oh yeah, no, really I really interested. do do insurance pricing. I do, but I do it. It, with data and math, and I get really excited when I talk about equations. So I, we're not going to be talking go about there. equations for too long. So already it's <laughs> no, working. We're go there. So it's already working. So those are the two big things that you'll lie about. Yeah, I'm just going to dumb down my profession and make myself a little bit younger. Okay, Anything cool. over 40 is the is the kiss of death in this game. Very you think few, so? Very few winners over 40. I'm trying to very think few. about Bob that just Katzman, very quickly. 57, I think he was, and then you have like a Dr. Denise who was like 41. Yeah. It's always like right around there. Yeah. So, um, and I was hoping again that I would look around and there'd be some elderlies in the group, uh -huh. but there are none. So um, that is me. Okay. <laughs> there are a couple that I can't really tell. So maybe one older woman and another older guy. So tell me a little bit more about yourself. Who are you, Chrissy? Okay. So. Um, mom of three kids been married to my high school sweetheart for 20 I years it. i just had my anniversary actually out here in fiji and oh, not with my beloved that must have been tough i know it was okay it was okay i felt so much love from my family that they sent me out here and said go follow your dreams mom we believe in you yeah so um and you know while i'm here my son is getting accepted to colleges and deciding what he's going to do with the rest of his what's life what's he thinking Oh, math, of course. Yes. <laughs> um, so there's, I don't want to say the schools, but there's sure. a few. There's a well, few, we don't so, want to jinx anything. Seriously, yes. but I, I did have to tell him, just go with your heart, because I'm not there at all to help him with that decision. Um, so, you know, there are things that I walked away from, but my family is wonderful. I have my kids, I have two boys and a girl. They're 13, 15, and 17. Okay. And they are just incredibly wonderful human beings. They are kind and smart and funny and loving and just wonderful. So, as is my husband. So, it's all good. And then I work. Well, not anymore. Right. Was that was <laughs> no. that a hard choice to make? Absolutely Are you somebody who's not. defined by your job or no? Um, no. I actually worked for a number of years and then I had two kids and walked away from a huge job to be a stay-at-home mom. Wow. And I was a stay-at-home mom for I don't know, seven or eight years I had another kid in there. And the whole time I'm applying to Survivor, by the way, did I mention I've been applying for 16 years? You have not mentioned that yet. So, so you've been applying, I mean, that's the whole thing mm -hmm. almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, since 2001. I couldn't apply for season two because I was pregnant or something. I had a lot of kids back then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I never gave up the dream. So when I got the call, it was seriously not even a question about work. Even though I had a big, I'll get another big job. I will never have another chance to play Survivor. So tell me why you've been applying for so long. Why is Survivor such a big dream for you? So I have no idea. I think this is the greatest game in the history of the planet. Um, what I love about it is that it's sort of like a choose your own adventure. Depending on who's on the island with you, the, the, the method that worked last season does not work this season. It won't work next season. You know, what works for me won't work for the next guy. Um, so Situational. I sort of love that whole social dynamic of it um, and figuring out what everyone else is thinking. So see, what I do in my job, what an actuary does is we calculate the present value of future risk. So we say, what do we think is going to happen in the future? What is the probability of that happening? And we use that to figure out what's our best current decision. And that's exactly what Survivor is. What do I think might happen in three days, six days, nine days? So what do I have to do now to sort of account for that down the line? Um, oh, it's all just future probabilities, yeah. right? It's great. So you're out here now, and if it is situational, what are you thinking of your situation? So, <laughs> um, 
I'm not sure if you're able to say this or not, but you know, we meet with Jeff before we yeah. go out there. And um, I actually was thinking, oh crap, I'm the old lady and I'm going to get voted out first. And he gave me a really good pep talk and basically said, which I now have listened to and I'm keeping in mind that everybody comes here with their own baggage. Everybody out there has their own thing that they're afraid they're going to get voted out for. Probably not the strong guys, but they've got to worry about pre-merge, right? They, that's when everybody wants to get rid of them, pre-merge. Mm -hmm. um, so I really took that to heart and thought, you know, that's right. Um, there's really no reason that people would want to vote me off first as more than they would want to vote somebody else off first. So, um, yeah. Was I that a concern of yours was. though? Oh uh, my God. It's a concern of be, anyone coming to, out of here being the, the first vote off. Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. To go through this for 16 years and then to finally make it out here. Okay. So I don't feel that because I do feel like I'm still luckier and more blessed than the how many ten thousands of other people applied for this show and they're not able to live what I'm living right now, right? Look, heck, sitting here talking to you on a podcast that I didn't even <laughs> know what that was. Um, no, I mean, it's all good. Yeah. It's all good, but nobody wants to be the first vote out, right? Of course, we come out here to, to live the dream and be the sole survivor. What do you think of Fiji so far? Um, beautiful. I haven't seen much of it, right? We haven't really seen much of They've it. They've got you on lockdown right now. They, you yeah. Know? They've got you in your yeah. little corner. Um, but I think it's going to be great. I'm excited about the weather. I, I can't believe I actually thought it was going to be colder. It is hot as balls so out here. Hot. Oh, my gosh. I don't think that's going to translate for the podcast, but it really is pretty sticky. Oh, my gosh. It's gross. <laughs> I mean, we're going to look so bad in the cast photo. We are going to look so bad. We've been up since 4 o'clock in the morning. It's been like 14 hours now or something. I have no idea because they took our watches away. Yeah. Um, but, you know, from now I'm a very good Italian time by the sun. Right. Um, but, yeah. Oh. What do you think about the state of Survivor? Where we are in the game, 34 seasons going on to 35 seasons. It's a long way since Borneo. <laughs> so I've been a huge fan, so I'm probably not the right person to ask because I think it's the greatest show on the planet. Um, but I think it's still winning its time slot on Wednesday night. So, you know, anybody who says, oh, that show's still on, like they're still winning their time slot on Wednesday nights. Um, I think it's great that they're still keeping it fresh. Yeah. Well, I mean, also specifically, like, the state of the game, because the game... Oh, the game has totally changed. Yeah, it's pretty dramatic how much it's changed since the beginning. Which is why you can never look at past seasons and say, I need to do this and not do this, is because every time it just becomes dynamic. I think people are playing harder. Um, I think people are starting to get riskier. I think you'll have a lot fewer of the people who just ride the coattails to the end. Um, nobody wants to see that anymore. No. Our penultimate hero is John J.P. Hilsebeck, a firefighter from Los Angeles. He's quite possibly the second coming of Eddie Fox, late of Survivor Caramo in Fans vs. Favorites. J.P. stops short of uttering the words dog bar, but the firefighter's pet sidekick Thor sounds like a pretty amazing animal. For his part, J.P. might not get the dog bar reference or even know what an Eddie Fox is. I walked away from my conversation with J.P. under the impression that he's a fairly recent Survivor convert albeit one who is about to take a deep plunge into the show in the most hands-on way possible. For their part, when I asked the other castaways for their first impressions of JP, every single person was a swing and a miss in guessing at his job. <laughs> That's the wrestler. Um, <laughs> super fit, uh, in shape, loves the sun. Um, he'll, he'll lay out and get a tan if it's 12 at night, if he can. I think that guy is probably a white-collar type of guy. Okay. 
I have, you know, I've, I've observed him a little bit and, you know, he, the way he drinks and the way he carries himself, you know, he, he kind of acts like his shit don't stink. I would bet you he's military as well. I mean, he literally could be Captain America. Additional guesses at JP's background included the consistent prediction that he was from Texas, that he was an athlete, that he was a cop, and other things like that. And honestly, even after speaking with J.P. Hilsebeck, I didn't feel anywhere closer to truly knowing the guy. He's physically strong, and he seems loyal to his people, but does he have what it takes to really win the game? Take a listen to my conversation with the California firefighter and see what you think. First, again, some thoughts from Probst. You know, J.P., my opinion about him is changing a little bit. When he first came in, he was really confident. He's a likable guy. He's a fireman. He's clearly chosen a profession that's dangerous and heroic. But when I saw him on the boat this morning, I did have a feeling, is this a guy who's still young enough that he's used to being the alpha? He's good looking. He probably gets lots of attention from women. He's charming. Guys want to be around him. He's a fireman. That'll open a lot of doors. And on Survivor, no one cares. In fact, those are three reasons to get rid of you. And I felt I saw a little bit of JP going, okay, <laughs> this is, uh, is going to be full on. You know, I'm pretty cool in my world. And I've got 17 other people that couldn't care less. Let's go, man. JP, I'm Josh. Josh, what's your brother? Nice to meet you, man. Cool. JP, that's where we're going by? Yes, sir. All right, cool. Um, so this is all podcasting stuff. I don't know if you're a podcast guy. All right, well, you're about to become one. It's going to be incredible. All right. How are you feeling? How are you feeling being out here right now? Uh, it's feeling great. You know, it's an exciting experience. It's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, and it's, uh, it's great to be out here. It's great weather. It's great people, so I uh, can't complain. What are you thinking about Fiji so far? Uh, Fiji's pretty awesome. You know, it's, uh, it's my first time here. You know, it's the first time, I think, for a lot of people, and uh, it's kind of it's a great experience. You know, like I said, the weather's great. The water's beautiful. You know, I can't wait to get in the water, you know, and get out there and get after it, and uh just, uh, just enjoy what it has to come. Have you had a chance to swim at all while you're in Ponderosa or anything? Or are you just like chilling? No, trying to gather like, your swimming's energy? like off limits. You can't do anything, but uh, but do anything, but just sit there and read and do what they tell you. Cool. So been, everything's been pretty, uh, pretty all right. key. Uh, you want to play a little quick get to know you game? Let's do it. All right, two truths and a lie. You're aware of the of the rules of this game or do you need me to explain? You should probably explain. Okay, two truths and a lie. So you're going to tell me three things. Uh -huh. Two of the things you're going to tell me about yourself are true. Okay. One of them is going to be a lie. All right. Bonus points if you're going to lie to me about something that you plan to lie about in the game already. Okay. So go for it. Uh, truth, uh, 28 years old. Um, well, I'm not supposed to know. It's supposed to be, I have to guess which one is the lie. So just, Oh. so you're trying to trick me. Sorry, I'm you're trying. No, it's good, it's good. You're trying to, you're trying to con me here. All right. Okay, um, I'm 28, I work as a cop, and I have a dog at home. Okay, cool. So you're a firefighter, so you're not a cop. That's correct. So I do know I do know this about you already. Yeah. Are you going to tell people that you're a firefighter? Uh, in the show, yeah. That's yeah. Uh, kind of what uh, they're going with, so I kind of went along with it. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you don't feel any sort of like no one's going to look at you differently over being a firefighter or whatever? Uh, you know what? There's been other guys that have done it in the past that have won and things like that, so I was just kind of going along those same, along, same going along their lines and following their footsteps and uh, see what happens. Cool. Tell me about yourself, man. Who is JP? What am I getting into here talking to you? Uh, let's see, JP, I uh, was 28 years old, uh, born and raised in California. Um, I live in Huntington Beach with my roommates. My roommates are great. Uh, Corey, Bryce, Eric, those guys are awesome out there. 
Uh, I got my dog too, Thor. Uh, I love that your dog's name is Thor. Is it after the superhero? Is it after the god? Who is it after? Yeah, uh, it's. I think it's probably after the superhero, but I mean, that's not the name I gave him. We actually uh, rescued him. Okay. So uh, we've had him now for a while, and uh, so we took him under our wing and uh, kind of looking after him and things like that. So thanks to everybody back at home that's uh, taking care of him. I really, really appreciate it, and I uh, can't wait to get home and uh, play with him again. What's Thor like? What kind uh, of dog is he? Thor's great. He's a Siberian Husky. He's uh, two, almost three years old. So is that a big dog? Uh, he's uh he's not, I would say a big dog. I like a, a medium large type of dog. He's just I think he's a like perfect size. He fits in the front seat nice. Sticks his tongue out the window when you drive him around and things <laughs> like that. Take him hiking. Take him everywhere. You know, take him pretty much everywhere I go. And uh, yeah, it works out pretty good. He's friendly. He's a friendly guy. Oh uh, yeah, he's a friendly guy. He's friendly to other people, but for some reason he's just kind of like that alpha male type of dog. And sometimes he just doesn't get along with other dogs. So it just kind of kind of all depends on the uh, on the dog type of thing, yeah. you know. So you're a firefighter. How did you get into that? Uh, I got into that, you know, right out of uh, kind of something that I always knew that I wanted to do. I kind of got into that after uh, after high school. You know, went over to went to college, took my classes and things like that. You know, and you know worked on an ambulance, worked in an ER, did the whole reserve type of thing, and then uh, fortunate, you know, I got lucky enough to get uh, picked up with uh, LA County. Cool. Um, is it? It's got to be a very intense gig, being a firefighter. Uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a great job. You know, it's very. Uh, Rewarding, you know, but at the end of the day, you know, it's uh, just a job. It's my chosen profession. It's what I chose to do. You know, it's uh, nothing different than anybody else's job. And, uh, you know, everybody has their walks of life and what they want to do. And this is uh, just what I chose. What do you do for fun? Uh, for fun, you know, I like to go surf, go hiking, you know. Out here in Fiji, you got Tavarua, not too far from here, cloud break. Wish I could go over there and go surf, but uh, probably not going to happen. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe I'll get lucky. There'll be some waves, I'll body surfing, know, wherever we're staying. And then uh, other than that, though, I like hiking a lot, you know, uh, bigger the mountain, the better. Yeah. Uh, kind of like doing the mountaineering type of thing. And then other than that, just uh, hanging, out, hanging out with my friends and, uh, you know, hanging out, hanging out with my dog. So cool. Awesome. All right. So I've got your bio here. Um, so you, you don't like people that don't follow through. What does that mean? I don't like people that don't follow through. So pretty much uh, I'm like more of the type of guy, like when you say you're going to do something, you do it, you know what I mean? Like, I got a great group of friends, things like that. It's like, hey, like, you know, can you take care of this? It's like, boom, I know, boom. He's gonna take care of it, things like that. So like, when you meet other people that, you know, don't really know or whatnot, and like you ask them to do something or they say they're gonna do something and then uh, they don't really follow through with it, you know, just kind of like, hey, you know, that's just not how I was brought up and the type of people that I'm around. So it's always, you know, kind of like a downfall. Yeah, tell me about your, your friends and your roommates. So you've got a, you've got like what, like three roommates I think you said before? Uh, yeah, I live with uh, three other guys. They're all firemen. Um, do you all work together? Uh, we don't work at the same station. We work at uh, at different stations. Okay. And uh, you know, we all went through the academy and everything together. So it was a you know, great experience with that. You know, we just kind of continued it on. We got uh, Bryce. He's actually going to be uh, working with uh, Orange County. And then uh, we got Eric and uh, Corey. You know, they both work at the same department I do. So uh, great group of guys. You know, kind of missing out here. Wish they're out here enjoying it with me. We like to travel. How much easier would this be with that as your squad? Oh, uh, it'd be awesome. You guys would just roll through this. Oh uh, yeah. I mean, well yeah. But then at the end of the day, we got to vote each other off. Right. So that sucks. It would. Uh, it would definitely <laughs> cause some friction. Somebody would leave the apartment. No, we'd probably get in a fight probably because we're so competitive <laughs> with everything. No matter what, it, whether it's going to CrossFit or just working out or just something stupid in the backyard or something like that. We're just competitive 100% of the time. It's just. Uh, it's great. It brings out the best in us because you know it just always pushes that person to be that much better. Yeah. You know? Are you a big Survivor fan? Uh, you know, I wasn't saying like a huge Survivor fan because there's some people that are like just over the top with it. You know, I just say kind of been watching the show as I've been growing up and as the shows progress through it all, and uh, just kind of, you know, just always thought, oh, it'd be really cool. You know, I'm a super outdoorsy type of guy and things like that. You know, starting fire, catching fish, cooking it, and all that type of stuff. And then, so I was like, yeah, hey, it always be 
great opportunity to do it and finally I got that uh, that opportunity to go on the show and uh, here I am here I am talking to you and uh, yeah it's a, you know it's, it's exciting it's yeah super exciting so the survival stuff like the fishing the outdoors the fire all of that is that the thing you're looking forward to the most I would say that you know is you know I just I love being outdoors you know like I like spear fishing and starting fires and doing all that type of stuff and uh, yeah you know that's like like the cool part about it you know but then you also got to you know bring it back home and you know you're here to play a game and you got to make sure that uh, it's uh, you know you stay focused in the game and don't get too caught up in your surroundings and just make sure you know you stay focused and you know be involved in the game when the game's going on. What do you think about the game? What do you think about the game of Survivor? Many people say the greatest game of all the games. What is your, what are your thoughts on on the social game of Survivor, the strategic game? You know, it's a, it's it's a game that has no no rhyme or reason. It's ever changing from episode to episode and like as soon as you think you got things figured out, there's like a twist or things don't go your way and there's like there's there's no one way to play it because every time you get with a group of people they create, you know, their like own environments, like the uh, the Lord of the Flies book. You know yeah. what I mean? It's just every group of people is so different. So it's just like you can't say, okay, well, you played it this way this time and it worked, but you know, when you're gonna play it this way with this group of people with different backgrounds and experiences, you know, I think the game's got to be played different. You know what I mean? Because you got to buy into, you know, their, their backgrounds and things like that, and be able to, you know, work it, and then at the end of the day, use it against them, and then be able to, you know, come out on top. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like you're the kind of guy that can get along with like basically everybody or are there types of people that you think that you're going to butt heads with? You know what? That's kind of funny stories. My friends like, gosh, when's he just going to go off on somebody? Or... <laughs> so do you go nuclear on people? No, 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 no. It's, it's nothing like that okay. at all. But like, I'm just kind of like, hey, like just back to like, hey, people that like don't follow through or things like that. Like there's things at camp that, you know, that, that need to be like, that need to get done. You know, need to get firewood, need to do this, need to keep the fire going. You need to be rationing on your food and the water and stuff like that, you know, and when someone's not pulling their weight, like normally I'd have no problem telling them, telling them something, but you know, with this game, you can't, you can't be that type of person. You yeah. gotta be more, you know, one step back, kind of easy going type of thing. And just kind of like, all right, whatever, you know, just, it is what it is. You know, like my first priority would be, to, you know, get out there, get fire, get, build a shelter. And if people want to relax around and not really do that, well, then you know what? I'm gonna relax around and not really do that. I guess I'm gonna sleep in the sand that first night. You right. know what I mean? Because you can't be that over aggressive. Hey, the guys, let's do this, let's do that. Because as soon as you start doing that, people aren't gonna like you, and then before you know it, you're gone. So, so you wanna you wanna go with the flow. That's your that's your game plan coming into this. Yeah, just like the ocean, just kind of the tide comes in, tide goes out, and uh, every once in a while you get your opportunity to shine. You know, take advantage of those when you can, like doing like the uh, the challenges and things. And other than that, you know, just kind of go with the flow. And then when it's your time to strike, you know, you, you know, rally together and you make it happen. What was the uh, last episode of the show you got to see before you came out here? Uh, last episode, so we got to see season uh, 34. So we got to see the last couple before we came out here. And uh, that one's with, uh, you know, Game Changers. They got all the, you know, people to play to four coming back. Right. And, you know, that one is, uh, I, I think, a lot more cutthroat because it's, uh, you got people that have pl all played before. So it's kind of like, it just, uh, it's just about outsmarting the other people and I see a lot more talking during like the tribal councils and things like that and it's just uh, how that's played with everybody else has already played the game is like definitely interesting compared to I think with us nobody else has actually been out here and played the game yeah so you don't really know kind of like no one everybody's still trying to get their feet wet and like kind of figure it out you yeah. know like you can watch the show a million times but like till you actually get out here and kind of kind of go with it you don't you don't really know you know so it's uh, you know definitely you know good experience and uh, you know we'll see what the what the adventure brings. How hard is it to not talk to any of these people? Like you guys are on full lockdown right now. You're not able to really communicate. Is that difficult for you? Yeah, we're going on you know a couple of days now. You know even back when we started back in you know Santa Monica, you know kind of the same thing. But 
you know, it didn't really hit home until you're out here, you're sitting next to them like on the boats and sitting next to them in the tents and around them all day and you can't, you can't say a word. Yeah. You just sit there, like you just watch everybody and just kind of like, yeah. Like you can't even like something like sneezes, you don't even say God bless you or anything. You just kind of <laughs> like, just, you're just there, you know? And then like, I mean, you get to talk to you know, all the other people that are like the producers or whatever like that. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I finally get to talk to someone. You know what I mean? So it's uh, definitely a reality check. Finished a lot of good books and things like that. What are you reading? Uh, just uh, some books on, you know, just, you know, what's going on in the world, like uh, world history and things like that. Yeah. So kind of, you know, something that I kind of took up on. And uh, it's good to know about your history because history tends to repeat itself. And the more you know it, the better, smarter man you can become. Yeah, for sure. Are you going to be hangry out here? Are you going to get mad when you're not eating? Uh, you know what, that's, I mean, I do, I do eat a lot, you know, and, uh, but it'll be uh, one of those things, you know, hopefully I'm a good fisherman, I can get out there and spear some fish and keep my belly, you know, full as long as everybody else, so if I can do that, and uh, I think, I think I'll be all right, you know, yeah. lose a couple pounds, hey, everybody's got a couple pounds yeah. to lose, so you, you get survivor body, you know, yeah, that's, exactly. <laughs> it's the best diet in the world. Yeah. Um, what about lying and manipulating and all of that stuff? Are you feeling decently comfortable with having to do that? Yeah, you know, it's one of those things, you know, especially with my job, you know, it's being able to read people and things like that. So it's, uh, you know, it's it's all part of the game. You know, everybody's out here for, you know, one uh, one goal, and that's one million dollars. So yeah. it's, uh, they would do the same thing that, uh, you know, I would expect them to do to me. Yeah. So it's uh, one of those things, you just kind of roll with the punches and you know you take your punches when you take them and then you go after it when you go after it you know there's every there's times to step up there's times to be passive and you just got to be able to plan it all right walk that line and uh, make it happen the last one up on the heroes tribe is the olympian katrina radke heroes versus healers versus hustlers contains some of the most physically fit human beings i have ever laid my eyes upon and that includes katrina the oldest player of the season Katrina competed as a swimmer in the 1988 Summer Olympics in Seoul, South Korea. And while she's very proud of that experience, she doesn't let it define her. You can't put Katrina in a box, is what she tells me. And it's an apt choice of words. Katrina is very much of the outside-the-box variety. She's wild and vibrant in her appearance and her movements. She's bursting with energy when she sits down for our interview, passively playing with a purple flower petal she plucked from somewhere along the way. Katrina's enthusiasm was infectious for me as a person sitting across from her for only an hour or so, with no stakes on the line other than a good time, which I had. But as the conversation wore on, I found myself thinking, how would I feel about Katrina Radke's radiant personality if we were living together on a beach, starving and sleep-deprived, away from all creature comforts, in each other's company nearly every single minute of the day? Your mileage may vary. Let's hear Jeff's take on Katrina, and then we'll hear from Katrina herself. What's your take on yeah, Katrina? Yeah, Katrina's a big personality. She knows it. She likes it. She revels in it. But also, an Olympic swimmer. I mean, come on. You're talking the highest level of swimming. She did it. And she doesn't want to share that. So it's going to be really tricky, you know, as, as more questions come out about how she maneuvers around that. What, what I like about Katrina is she owns her big personality and those people seem to do okay because they're not pretending to be something they're not. Katrina will tell you, oh, I'm all over the place. I'm nutty, I'm crazy, I'm wacky, but I'm also more accomplished than you know. Swimming is only one of the things I've pulled off. And I think Katrina is gonna be, her, it's gonna be about those early moments. Does she, do people go, what's with the nutty blonde chick? Or do they go, wow, do you see her in the water? Now we have a, one of our boats going by. <laughs> there you go. Heidi ho, people. Do you, are you good? Because I just want to say you are getting blasted by the sun. No, I'm great. Right? I'm fantastic. Okay. It's part of, the, part of the color. Part of the job. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So let's start with an easy one, or maybe it's not. How are you feeling, Katrina? I'm excited and nervous. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a mix of things, right? I've been wanting to be on the show for so long. Okay. I applied for the show, probably the second show that came out. And, oh, wow. Uh, so since uh, Australian Outback. Yes, wow. yes. I applied a couple times early on. And then since then, I've been married, have two kids, you know, and they're, and, and, and we watched the show together. And uh, so I applied about a year ago. And I'm thrilled to be here. Oh, my God. Yes. That's very exciting. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's let's play a little get to know you game if you're up for that. Sure. Uh, two truths and a lie. Do you know two truths and a lie? Kind of. Okay. So two truths and a lie is you're going to tell me three things. Okay. Two of those things are going to be true. Uh-huh. One of those things is going to be a lie. Oh, you're, and it, you're tricking me. And, oh, and it is it is my job to figure out which one is the lie. Okay. Bonus points if you're going to lie to me about something that you plan to lie about in the game. Okay. All right. Lay it on me. Two truths and a lie. Jeez, I have to think. Yeah, take your time. Okay, okay. Um, I ran cross country. Uh, I was an Olympic swimmer. Okay. And uh, I started an internet company. Interesting. Okay, so you ran cross Oh, you know, I'm sorry. I didn't give you a lie. I do that all the Oh, time. okay. So all of those are true. All right. So now this trips shoot, things up a little bit. Which one do you think it was? It's probably the cross country one, I, right? I, won't, I won't say. Do shoot, it over. Man, Start it shoot, over. Man. Start it over. I know, over. but now you know. No, 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 no. You want to still say the same couple? Yeah, say whatever you want. It's, it's, are you trying, it's, to get, you trying to get the answer? I'm, try, I'm trying to divine the answer, but if you want to give me a different set, okay, that's also okay. Okay, let me give you another one. This is Survivor. The rules are flexible. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Do you know my background a lot? That's a fair question. That's a good question. I do know your background. Okay. I've read your bio, so I knew that you were an Olympic swimmer. Okay. I like uh, sewing. Okay. And I like doing mosaics. And um, I love hanging out with my kids. Okay. I hope that that's not a lie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was easy, right? Yeah. Okay. So sewing or mosaics, I feel like uh, one of those has to go... Uh, you are you are not into sewing. Oh, you're good. Okay, My daughter cool. is totally into it, and I'm not. Okay, great. I'm trying to learn. Yeah, so you're trying to learn on your yeah, daughter's yeah, behalf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How comfortable are you with lying? Oh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because I'm more of a truth person. Okay. Tend to be blunt. Yeah. Tend to just say it like it is, and then it's done. And so uh, I'm going to have to keep my mouth shut. It's probably because what's going to happen. So you mentioned that you are an Olympic swimmer. Yes. Which is awesome. I feel honored to be oh, in your you, presence. Thank you. Um, tell me a bit about that. Uh, how did you get into swimming? How did you get to that place? In so your I grew up in a small town in Minnesota, and uh, my oldest two, I have two older brothers, and they were both swimming. And so uh, I wanted to go to the pool because they were going to the pool. And so that's how I got into the water. We had a beautiful pool there, eight lane, you know, underwater windows. It was clean, clear. It was a University of Minnesota at Morris. So it was a very nice pool to grow up in swimming. And we had a small little team because the town's of 5,000 people. So we had a team of like 20 kids maybe and um, had a great time. I loved it. I did a lot of other sports when I was little, but I really wanted to, I knew I really wanted to swim. And I had a dream since I was about third grade that I wanted to make the Olympics. Okay. And um, in fact, I had a school assignment that said, when I'm 25, and we had to complete the sentence. And I wrote, uh, when I'm 25, I will have gone to the Olympics, won many medals in swimming. Then I'll get a boyfriend, coach for a couple of years, and get married. So, so you had a life plan. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't know, you know, it was kind of funny, right? Yeah. And I, I found this like when I was 27. I was like, oh my God, this is hilarious. Because I was 17 when I made the Olympic team. So, uh, no, it's interesting. My lifelong dream came true very early. I was on the national team for the United States from age 14 to 21. And uh, I mean, I love competing uh, for the United States. I love being able to see what was possible, testing my limits, yeah. all of that kind of stuff. So, That's really cool. Yeah. So that's so so you you arced that out 
well in advance. Like you called your shot on that. I guess I did. That's kind of trippy, isn't it? How does that feel? Like when did you when did you first realize that? Were you like I I have actualized the vision that I laid out when I was a well, child. I didn't know I had had it done that so early. You know, when I found it, it was in a scrapbook that my mom had created. And I found it literally at my dad's. I remember because my parents had separated at that point and they were divorced. And I was at my dad's house when I saw the scrapbook. And I was I was reading it and going, oh my gosh, this is reality. I mean, it's bizarre. Because, you know, in my teens, there was points where I was like, you know, I made my first international trip and did really well. The next year I had mono. So then I started going, gosh, is it worth it all? I knew how hard it was to stay That must have top. felt like a setback. It too. was a big setback, getting sick. Didn't know, you know, it's one thing to stay on top anyway. It's another thing to then get really sick and take a while to get back. Yeah. And um, then there's boys, you know, and then there's other things that came along. And I had to, start, you know, I had, had to go through that in my head. What, is this worth it all? Is it, what if I put all my eggs in a basket and it doesn't come true? And, you know, all that. Yeah. But I knew in the end that I had to stay true to my vision and, and at least go for it. It's kind of like being on Survivor, yeah. right? Yeah. My vision is I'm going to be the winner of Survivor 35. Yeah. 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 Well, Katrina so this, Rack, he gets a check, a million dollars. So, you know, it's not quite third grade, yeah. but this is, you know, pre-game calling the shot. This yes. is going to be the place that you go. Yes, yes. And I know there's going to be lots of strengths amongst the contestants. Yep. And it doesn't matter. If I stay connected to myself and take care of myself and try to stay grounded enough, which is not always so easy for me, um, I think I have an excellent shot. Cool. Um, do you still swim? I do swim, yeah. And uh, I love the water. I love the ocean. It's going to be so fun to be in the ocean all the time. And um, I don't swim like I did. You know, I was swimming six hours a day, six days a week. Wow. And uh, which you really don't need to do. I sit in front of a computer all day, so now I just feel terrible. <laughs> I just feel awful. Well, it's funny. I think in some ways you probably feel better if you have to, you know. <laughs> Sitting's hard. But, uh, <laughs> well, no, I'm, I don't want to compare, you know, yeah. the type of work that I do. And I don't yeah. want to make you feel yeah. bad. No, no, no. Yeah. But uh, it's kind of funny because... Uh, <clears throat> What was the question? Yeah, if you still swim. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I do like, I get into like a thousand, yeah. which is nothing. A thousand okay. yards takes 10, 12 minutes. So I just play around. Yeah. And um, probably because I had a bad car accident four years ago. Tell me about that. Yeah. So um, I'm 46 years old. Okay. And um, at 40, when I woke up that morning, I did four sets of 10 pull-ups. So I was still pretty strong. And um, then we had, my, my husband and I got in a bad car accident uh, when I was 42 or so, 43, whatever it was. And, um, you know, we hit black ice and then hit a tree. We spun and hit a tree. We're lucky we weren't dead. Yeah. But because of that, um, for a while, um, I had numbness, a lot of other weird stuff go on that I couldn't really do a lot of upper body. So I've actually shrunk. I look so skinny and small right now. It's funny to me. Okay. I mean, out of shape, you know, too. But, I mean, it's all relative. But yeah. it's like, I'm like, geez, my forearms. There's no forearm here. You know, like, where is it? I haven't had that it small. It went away. Scene. It went away. So you were, were you really hurt? Um, well, my neck got damaged, and so like, the nerves got blocked, so the numbness happened in the arms. Yeah, but like, I'm actually pretty good now. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm imagining when I'm out here, I'm going to get completely healed. Okay, yeah. the island will heal so you? So I have a few goals. One, I'm going to win. Okay. Number two, I want to connect with all the people out here, because we're going to be a family by the end. Yeah. Like, we're relying on each other, even though we're competing against each other. It's just like anything. Like, you go to an Olympic team or a national team, it's the same deal. You're competing against people. Some will not want to talk to you. Some will be your best buddy, even though you're competing against them. It's just, just how it is. Yeah. And then, uh, number three, I would love to see if I can have this be completely... I go back, and, my, and the doc says, wow, yeah. you are... It's like beaming light. Yeah. And then, number three, I have a little bit of vitiligo on my joints. Okay. And I'd like to see if that goes away. Okay. Yeah. You never know the healing properties of Survivor. They yeah, may be very yeah. real. You know, I'm going to beam my light through my body as best I can while very I'm Very good. Here. Very good. So, so yeah. let's, let's talk about why, yeah. why you stopped swimming. Yeah. So, um, 
I, as I said, I swam for the United States for seven years. It was an awesome experience. Um, but I had mono when I was 15, and then I um, justified that I was fine. I was very stubborn about things. And, um, and plus, we were, at that time, you know, we were competing against these Germans who were on steroids. And so it was just sort of the way that we were supposed to try and train like them, even though we weren't on the drug. And um, so I just sucked it up. And I ended up getting more and more sick. And so long story short, I ended up with chronic fatigue syndrome. And, uh, but I was still justifying that I was okay because I'd still have some amazing practices or I still went internationally and doing really well in different competition. And so, um, but that got to a point where I just couldn't go anymore. My body was saying, no more, I'm yelling at you, stop, you yeah. know? And so I had to listen and it was a, a gift. It made a big gift. I went from, uh, you know, being an Olympic athlete to being bedridden. And uh, I, I had a doctor who kind of, he was an acupuncturist as well. And he convinced me it's okay to get disabled parking and took, my pride had to let go of my pride. Was that and, difficult? Oh yeah. yeah. At first at the time, I was just like, but you know, I'm supposed to be healthy and what am I gonna, the thing that was scary is that I was so used to being physically active that all of a sudden I wasn't. And the other thing too, on top of that was, uh, you know, we were supposed to have a certain body fat and I was worried about gaining all this weight. The funny thing was, actually, when I stopped swimming, I actually lost, I think because my body was, you know, when your body is over, you know, stressed, you actually get in flames. Yeah. And so the body doesn't handle that rep very well. And actually, when you start recovering, it does better. So that's what happened. Wow. And uh, so I, I really went through a spiritual journey during, during that time, though, yeah. that uh, I always was in me. I was always, like, I'd be on a bus, let's say, we'd be in Australia for a competition, and I'd always be fascinated by the people on the bus. You know, I knew a lot of them. They were my friends and just there'd be some new people and there's always some egos and some narcissism and some people were scared and all of it, right? You see it playing out. And um, so much of this going on. And yet the true essence of performance for me was being in the zone. I mean, that is it. Like life, if you look at life, like what you do for work, yeah. it's like when you're loving what you're doing and you're pursuing what you love, you're gonna have those moments where it, time goes by yeah. and your everything's won. And that's life. I mean, if you can be in that place more often than not, you have a great life. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's what swimming was for me. I mean, when I work with athletes, that's what it is for me. You know, um, being out here is the ultimate yeah. that way, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, I, re I relate to that very, very much yeah. as a writer. Yes. Um, tell me about the Olympics and, and being there. Because yes. I would love to know what that was like. Okay. The Olympics are awesome. The thing that I had loved the most about the Olympics, uh, okay, I'll, I'll give you a scenario. Yeah. Okay. We're waiting before the opening ceremonies begin. Now, my event was like day six or something. And so I, I went to the opening ceremony. Some people don't go, as you probably know. And um, I went around with a friend of mine, and we took photos of everybody from different countries, different sports. You know, I had the basketball with a gymnast, and I have like, I remember this African guy had all these amazing tattoos. It was part of his tribal ceremony stuff that he was describing to us. Then there's people that you can't speak the same language, but you're communicating non-verbally and you're trading pins or swapping whatever, t-shirts. And uh, it's like a, you see that we are, that's what the world is supposed to be about. Yeah. It's connected. Yeah. And, uh, and the athletes in the village, we all sitting down together in the cafeteria together that way. There'd be like uh, eight cafeterias lined up with different, you know, like three floors of them. And you'd sit down, there'd be like some American food or Asian food or, you know, different kinds of food for yes. everybody. And uh, you're, it's like, uh, everybody's thrilled to meet each other. You know, the politics in the world don't exist there. And, or they do, but they don't. Sure. Yeah, and uh, you're in a place where um, you really, I really appreciated that everybody there had their own story about the journey they took to get there. Yeah. You know, and uh, I don't care what anybody says, but to get to that level, you had to have a dream. You had to have moments of doubt. 
and you still went for it anyway. I mean, yeah. that's a big piece that goes on there. And so I just loved being around all these athletes and just feeling so at home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're not the first Olympic athlete to play Survivor. Yes, I'm not. Uh, Crystal Cox was an Olympian. It was not great. Uh, you know, yeah. she, she, was, she was an Olympian, but it didn't work out what so well. What was her well. sport again? I don't remember. She was a, a runner, I believe. Don't quote me on this yeah. internet. Yeah, I don't remember either. Are you not going to disappoint in that regard? You're going to get in the water and you're going to be Oh, you try to label me! I'm, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> okay, just cover my bases here. What's your name again? Josh. Okay, Josh, here's the deal. You can't put Katrina in a box. Okay, great. All right, because here's... Olympics is one piece of me. It's almost 30 years since I swam in the Olympics. Wow. You know, I'm 46. I was 17 when I swam. So, yeah, I mean... It's, it's a big piece of my life, yes, and I'm still very connected to a lot of Olympians and meet many more as time goes on. Yeah. But you can't just say just because that person Olympian and I'm Olympian that we're going to have the same survivor Okay, but, but you feel comfortable in the water still. Oh, I love the water. But you know what's interesting too, because I mean, I know there's been some pro athletes on here, and I think sometimes people, you know, I think the heat might get to them, lack of food, who knows what, right? They can't be who they really can be. Yeah. And the other thing that's interesting about sport is that... Um, if they're so specific and trained in one little area, they might not be that good in the other areas. Yeah. Like for example, like I mean, I told you I ran cross country for a couple of years in the off season, so I got a little break from swimming. And um, I'm not really not a cross country runner, okay, but I just did it. And um, anyhow, I'm not. I mean, I can run. I'm a, a decent runner. I could become a good runner. But we, you know, swimmers don't have butts. Yeah. Okay. We don't have the glutes. And so, you know, some of these they girls have butts have, of sorts. Yeah. Everybody's got one. Yes, yeah, so we all have a butt. Yeah. But the bottom line is, it's uh not defined like a runner's uh, you know glutes are yeah you know we don't really need it for swimming right yeah so um like there's some people here who you can tell they're like something i'm curious to find out what sports that are. person has a butt yes. yes yeah 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 so like some of those challenges where we're gonna be running i actually trained myself a little bit in the last couple of months to try that's so much to get the butt <laughs> but but to be in a place where i can at least make sure my glutes are in shape yeah you know are you gonna tell people that you were in the olympics that you were an olympic um, swimmer you know when i first before a few days ago, I wasn't thinking so, but I think I might. You know, I'm old enough, I don't know if it's going to matter to them as yeah. much. Except that I think the characteristics that go along with it and the projections that go along with it might be negative for me. Okay. So when I had my interview with Jeff Probst, he seemed like he wasn't so for it, but we'll see. The Olympian, the firefighter, the financial analyst, the marine, the lifeguard, the athlete. Six men and women from very different walks of life living together in the land formerly known as Nuku Beach, bound together by their status as heroes. It's that very same status that leaves Probst wondering about the Heroes Tribe's long-term prospects. Broadly, I think they may have more, the most work to do as a group. And I, it would probably take me a moment to figure out why, but when I just think of them as a group, they're all very accomplished. And I could see a lot of ego coming into play because all of them have been successful at something. And that's sometimes hard when you have that many leaders in a group. Everybody thinks they're right. I'm impressed with all of them individually. But I would say that ironically, the Hero Tribe may have the toughest time gelling. If there's one thing that can gel the heroes together, it's this. Their mutual fear of being the first one out. Do you feel fear of the first boot at all whatsoever? Maybe None. I should, but I don't. Yeah. No, I, it's going to be somebody else, I hope. Yeah. Oh, that would be devastating. And I feel really bad for whoever that happens to, but I do know that it's not going to be me. Worst case scenario. Absolute worst case scenario that I go home first. That shit sucks. Like, to go through this shit 
<laughs> and then be the first one to go. <laughs> Don't think, oh my gosh, I hope I'm not the first one voted out, because then you will be. None of these people want to go home first. Plenty of people feel otherwise. A healthy boat ride away from Heroes Beach, six men and women with the shared goal of healing others in the real world want nothing more than to harm the competition out here in Fiji. Their views of the individual heroes vary from healer to healer. Alan Ball, for instance, stands in pretty good favor. Actually, uh, I've had dreams about him for, for months now. You've had dreams He's about him for months? He's been in my alliance for forever, literally. I mean, he seems like the sweetest human ever. Everybody is like constantly high-fiving him. He's getting to know like all the all of our, you know, guides, our handlers. He seems super nice. I'm like obviously I like have my eye on him before that reason where I'm like, I'm gonna keep to keep my eye on you. Like are because you too so nice? nice. Yeah. For her part, Ashley Nolan doesn't face the too nice problem. She's not my favorite. Okay, why? <laughs> um so she started to smile a little bit, but she just comes off as a little cold. Um, and I don't know if that's like her competitive spirit coming through or if she's an only child and just used to having her way. When it comes to Ben Driebergen, nobody's questioning his friendliness, at least not in terms of his sincerity. But some of the healers are wondering if the Marine's sunny disposition is going to get him burned. He's... he's hilarious he's always like the goofy one in the middle and like he's kind of he strikes me as like kind of clumsy sometimes and just a good old country boy he's already had like the cut off uh t-shirt super bad sunburn already just right out the gate just super sunburn he, he he's he's the one that's gonna screw himself i'm telling you he's gonna screw himself because i like him because you know his personality but he he's, he's extremely social um and i think that's gonna backfire on him when it comes to jp hilsebeck the healers are as mystified as most everyone else. A young, probably college kid or early, just recently graduated. Um, seems nice enough, but I don't have any real Nothing opinion. major. Yeah. I would say he's probably a fratty bro from the South. Um, he, like, he's also, like, really kept to himself. Yeah, he seems to be, like, your stereotypical male. Just, like classic looks he's pretty jacked and then um doesn't really say a whole lot or interact like when a helicopter flew in yesterday with jeff probes on it and everyone's like freaking out he just sat there in his chair not even turning around and looking just like dead to the world in chrissy hoffbeck's corner her fight against the mom stereotype is shaping up to be an uphill battle with the healers she is so sweet. My guess is that she's a mom. She wears like a necklace with four engraved initials, none of which are hers. And so I'm, I might, I guess that she has maybe four kids. She seems super sweet, like the mother type of the group, um, which those types, I've watched the show. Those people scare me because people do view them as a mom they never had, someone they can confide in, and then they ultimately get to the end. So I don't like her already. As for Katrina Radke, the Olympian looking forward to the healing energy of Survivor faces mixed reactions from the healers themselves. She's really friendly and so far a fun person to be around. She actually made a gesture at me. She thinks she has me pegged. She was like, hot climber? Oh my God, I call it a joker. Look at the smile. That's her. I think she's, she's the villain. You think she's the villain? Yeah, I'm going to pull it out there. I think she's the villain. That's Joe Mina a probation officer from New York on the Healers Tribe. For what it's worth, when I spoke with him the day before the game began, 
I walked away feeling confident that Joe could be the villain of the season, and maybe even the first one out. My conversation with him and the rest of the healers in the next episode. First One Out is written, hosted, and produced by Josh Wiggler. That's me! It's a co-production between The Hollywood Reporter and Rob Has a Podcast. Taryn Armstrong is our editor, and he is still a robot. Credit for the beautiful music in this episode goes to the great Fijian musician Solo and Sato. And credit for the music in our introduction goes to the great Sonia Christopher, the very first one out ever. Special thanks to the team at The Hollywood Reporter for all of their ongoing support, as well as Rob Sesternino and the RHAP family for their support. Head to THR.com slash Survivor for more preseason coverage, including exclusive interviews with the cast members. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Round Howard for bonus videos and photos from my time out on location. Subscribe to Rob Has a Podcast at RobHasAWebsite.com slash iTunes to never miss an episode of First One Out, and to check out some extra interviews as we work our way up to the new season. Survivor returns September 27th, and First One Out concludes September 28th. Next time on First One Out. I tell my wife that I'm the cool kid that the nerds like to hang out with, and she says I'm the nerd that the cool kids tolerate. She's like almost like my public enemy number one right there. Like, I got my eyes on her. I fully admit, like, his body, like, he is so cut, it, like, stresses me out. I'm definitely going to be flirting. He's always trying to feel like get into some trouble or make something happen. Sort of my temperament to take charge. I think every demon is an angel. The three components of Survivor that I think social, physical, strategic, I think she could fulfill every one of those things. 